All sports, all the time. There's heroes and there's legends. Heroes get remembered. Legends never die. This is the Spoken Podcast. Hold your ears, folks. It's showtime. I'm your host, Lance Twidwell. Man, that kid, he can ball, man. He can ball. Touchdown, Kansas City! Patrick freaking Mahomes, baby! Uh, let's talk some sports, because that's what we're here to do. You are tuned in to the Spoken. The Spoken. But one big thing we hear from fans is it's really tough to know what is offensive if they aren't American Indian. So we spoke to one American Indian super fan who says that she also supports the team move 100%. In nearly every inch of Connie Joe Gillespie's Grandview home, you'll find memorabilia related to her favorite team. She was one of the fans who helped bring the Guinness Book of World Records to town proclaiming Arrowhead the loudest stadium in the world. Being a Chiefs fan's not just a once-a-week hobby for me, as you can see. It's a lifestyle. But there's another part of her lifestyle she's proud of having grandparents who were Creek, Shawnee, and Chickasaw Indians. Each feather in that headdress is earned through an act of courage, bravery, personal sacrifice for his people. When I see a fan wear a headdress, I have to admit, it turns my stomach just a little bit. That's why she was thrilled when the Chiefs announced today they not only would be banning headdresses, but face paint used by what she calls a small number of fans to culturally appropriate American Indian stereotypes. The team also announced it's engaged in a thorough review of the chop, something Gillespie says she doesn't have a problem with as long as fans aren't dressed as Indians. The announcement came with no mention of possibly changing the team name. Gillespie says the numerous American Indians she's spoken with agree and support the measures the Chiefs have taken the past six years since they expanded a dialogue with tribal leaders. There's opportunities there to, to culturally educate so that people that are not familiar with our cultures and traditions they, they can become familiar and they, they learn to respect our culture and then they don't want to appropriate it. Something that might make wearing that Super Bowl champion mask sweeter for Chiefs fans of all ethnicities. So how exactly is this ban going to work? Well, the Chiefs didn't say anything about policing the activity out here for tailgates. Of course, it's going to be a much different atmosphere this year as well with limited capacity. But they do say you're going to be asked to remove anything offensive before entering the stadium. This is the Spoken Podcast. I am your host, Lance Twidwell. Here inside the KCPN studios, my guys, Trevor Twidwell and Eddie Ortiz. Miss Gat, obviously playing the Wizard of Oz in the back, making all the things happen on the ones and twos. We're really excited to be here, guys, tonight for episode 78. Uh, it's been an absolute blast to do this show as long as we have to this point, and I cannot wait to see where this thing continues to go. We are so excited for all of you, whether you're listening on the, watching on the live stream or you're uh, watching on YouTube, you're listening on the podcast. Thank you so much for taking this time to be with us as we continue to push the Spoken Podcast further and further into oblivion, if you will. And uh, guys, speaking of the world of sports, we have so much to talk about tonight, guys. Like I said, we on, on the pre-show, I told you guys how we have so many things to cover across the board because, guys, we have live sports back, and it's almost something that we're getting used to, which is something I am not used to at this point yet. We're getting back to a new norm, and our new norm has sports. So I do want to start the show with something that uh, is going to hit home a little bit. And... Um, there's no other, 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 other better way of starting it than just going right into it. And so this week we learned uh, that the Chiefs are officially planning on opening up the doors at Arrowhead to the fans this season. Uh, well, at least a, a select number of fans. 
And it's been reported that the franchise plans to allow roughly 16 plus thousand fans in the stands for home games. And many consider this to be great news. And although I do find the confidence be, to be refreshing and the, the fact that fans actually can participate in the lives and persons, uh, in life in person action seems like progress, I have to be completely honest with you as a fan. I'm not so much a fan of this. A few years ago, I, I was invited to an open door uh, show at Shawnee Mission Park, and one of my favorite high school bands were playing. And for my own integrity's sake, I, I'm not going to provide you with the name of the band that was performing that night. Um, the important portion of the story is they were and they were there and I wasn't going to miss it. Well, as we arrived to the show just moments before the band took the stage, I, I noticed that there was only one instrument on the stage and an acoustic guitar. Yeah, the band came to play a damn acoustic set and their style of music was not exactly what I would consider unplugged. I ended up having a decent time with my friends, and I, but I'd be lying if I said that looking back, it was the experience I would ever pay for again. The Chiefs are my favorite team in the world, and outside of my loved ones, I don't love anyone or anything more than this team. And I will go to Arrowhead each and every opportunity that I get. But just like the acoustic set that one of my favorite bands played that one summer night in Shawnee Mission Park, the experience was lacking. Arrowhead is known for so much more than just the game. In fact, Arrowhead's outward experiences have oftentimes been the driving force for folks to come out over the years more times than the actual on-field product. As you guys forget, or maybe remember, there was a Chiefs before Mahomes. Well, an outside gathering that resembles a wasteland more than a world-famous tailgate while filling 20% of the stadium on the day they dropped the Chiefs' first Super Bowl banner in five decades is anything but satisfying. Look, I, I get that nothing has been ideal this year since the Chiefs won that thing in February. And I get that there are plenty of fans that will want to be there in person regardless of whether the house is filled or not. But for me... If I'm going to spend my time, energy, and money at Arrowhead, I'm spending all three with the experience matches my expectations. Because as far as I'm concerned, I can enjoy the elite product on the field in the comforts of my home until the echoes of Arrowhead return and the crowd and the roar that stems from it grows into what we know it to be once again. And speaking of growth... <laughs> Do you guys remember the days as a child when you would feel body aches and you had no idea why until why that was happening until your folks or someone close to you explained that those aches and pains are called growing pains? <laughs> well, this week, the Chiefs have experienced some growth and growing pains as a franchise, and I honestly couldn't be more proud of them for it. The team has decided that they will no longer allow fans to wear headdresses and face paint, along with the strong consideration to ban that tomahawk chop as well. My reaction? My thoughts? Good. This is a very good thing. You see, growth is important for all of us. And this is a time in which all of us can really grow as a fan base, alongside a franchise that has oftentimes stood in silence when societal issues are at the forefront. We now live in an era in which there is no longer a respected option to stay silent 
and the Chiefs have taken initiative to change what should have never began. And look, guys, some of you know me well. Some of you know me a little. But most of you do not know me personally at all. So let me tell you a little bit about me. I'm a lifelong Chiefs fan that has participated in many traditions that this team and fan base has had and shared much longer than I've ever been than I've been alive. So I understand that this may upset some of you. And I get that some of you may not understand the validity of these particular challenges. But I assure you, these changes are necessary, even if you disagree with them. Back in episode 69, I opened the show explaining how in all forms of entertainment, we have had our fair share of hypocrisies and how we have to change our mindset when it comes to how we hold a double standard on the athletes using performance-enhancing drugs, but don't do the same with music and movie stars. That we must grow as viewers and consumers and see that these performers in all forms of entertainment as equals in how they entertain us. But make no mistake about it, the entertainment business throughout the years got it wrong and had to learn from its horrifically misguided mistakes. Just a few examples. All the way back to the 1940s, the movie Fantasia, when the character named Sunflower in the pastoral sympathy section of this film was a half-donkey, half-black girl used as a servant to the rest of the characters in the film and even seen polishing the hooves of a white character in the film. As expected, when they remade the film in the 1960s, they removed the scene completely. To 1961's Breakfast at Tiffany's, when they decided to cast Mickey, Mickey Rooney, a white actor, to perform as an Asian character by the name of I.Y. Yuniyoshi. And in the film, Rooney wore makeup to alter his skin color and wore prosthetic teeth to better symbolize a sickening stereotype of what Hollywood at the time would consider an Asian male. To this day, many theaters across America refuse to play this film on their screens to its due to its blatant insens insensitivity despite it being considered an American classic. Or how about in 1986 when Soul Man decided to grace our screens? The wholesome story of a young man who gets into Harvard but realizes he can't pay the tuition. So what does he do? He dons blackface to get an affirmation action scholarship, of course. I'll be honest, I, I had no idea that this film existed, even though it starred a big-time 80s actor in C. Thomas Howell, but I guess what was deemed acceptable in those times couldn't be much different than the times we are in today. I don't mean to speak for most or any of you, but I would like to imagine that these accounts I've laid out would upset you, or at least a, to a certain degree. I'm sure some of you are wondering how anyone ever thought that any of those characters and the stereotypes they represented were ever a good idea and were ever acceptable to anyone. And even though they are what I'd consider the argument's extremes, what these portions in American entertainment tell us is appropriating culture and utilizing caricatures is never a good idea. Yes, 
I know the name Chief predates the the days in which white Europeans came to the land we know to be America, and I also know that the name wasn't given to the franchise to replicate Native Americans or Native American culture. However, some of what followed in regards to branding and tradition within our own fan base and franchise took it to the same extremes that I have laid out. And it's time that we put an end to them. Again, I get that most of us fans have lived these traditions and may not have seen the true issue in them because our intentions weren't to mock or make a joke of those it makes a joke of. But now that we know the truth, it becomes our responsibility to change our ways so that that way we don't usher in a new generation of Chiefs fans that follow into the same traditions or better yet, the same mistakes we knowingly, unknowingly made. Can we be real for a second? This year has been uncomfortable for everyone. A lot of changes have taken place in our lives, so I get why sports, which to most of us is our escape from the said changes in, this, in, in the last place, we want to see changes occur, which would be in sports. But we must look beyond what we see and what we need to do and see what we need to do. It's our responsibility to make these necessary changes for everyone around us. And if we're being honest with ourselves, these changes won't take away from what we all really love. And it's this team and supporting them each and every week when they perform on the field. The game is why we are all truly attached. What really makes us a family. Not some headdress. Not some face paint. It's Mahomes. It's Kelsey. It's the Cheetah. It's Andy Reid and the legends of yesterday. My challenge to my fellow Chiefs fans is to stand in solidarity. Grow together in this time of change and uncomfortability. And see the big picture. See the bigger picture. We all know that black lives matter. We have had our support. We have shown our support of this obvious fact loud and clear and will as long as this show exists. Well, let me tell you something else. Native lives and native culture matters as well. And it's time that we stopped using their culture and traditions for our own pleasure. At the end of the day, we don't need headdresses. We don't need face paints. We don't need a chop to participate in this great game and experience that it provides. Touchdowns and victories count just as much without those faulty traditions as they did before. It is not our right to appropriate cultures of any kind. It is our responsibility to stand in opposition to cultural appropriation. Let's be conscientious. Let's be sensitive. Let's be human and respect our native brothers and sisters and stand with them in this change. That's when growth begins. So let's grow together, guys. And I'm going to leave it right there. Because we have more Chiefs to talk about, guys. And I promise you, it's some good stuff. We got a lot of Chiefs camp reports going out there left and right. A lot of people are worried about some of the injuries, suspensions. It's juicy, guys. It's very juicy. And somehow, some way, 
Patrick Mahomes continues to shock people. We're going to talk about all of these things, guys, in this next segment. We'll get back to that after this. Again, on the Spoken Podcast for segment number two, I am your host, Lance Twidwell, here inside the KCP in studios with my guys from afar, Trevor Twidwell. What's good? And Eddie Ortiz. Yo, yo, yo. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it, this is something we've never done before in our previous 77 episodes where it's all Zoom. Uh, Gat and I are obviously here in the studio, and Trevor and Eddie are scattered abroad in Kansas City. But nevertheless, no matter how far my guys are, we're also very close. We're like a family here. You know, Trevor and I are practically practically related. How are you guys doing tonight? Practically. I'm good, man. Just a little tired dealing with this COVID shit, but I'm alive. That's so, what's okay. important. Eddie, how we doing, bub? Doing, doing great. You know, just coming out of uh, illness. Don't know if it's COVID. I didn't get tested, but... <laughs> you You're alive, boy, too. Yeah. That's- I'm, al- I'm alive. I'm here. <laughs> He's got his following out here. I'm sure the, I'm sure the stream is, is going nuts with oh, all of Eddie's uh, fan base. So. Donnie's here. Donnie was here for us last week. Yeah. Like, just out here, like, we can't have back-to-back weeks of no Eddie Ortiz. Right, so, right. You know. That's unprecedented. And, and plus, we have a lot of Chiefs talk, and we gotta get all we got to get some takes off here, guys. we gotta, we got to have some takes here because Chiefs training camp – has begun, as we all know, and the Chiefs, uh, the regular season is just weeks away, uh, yep. which is, seems unreal because it feels like it's been forever since we've had football, but at the same time, it felt like it creeped up on us. Um, nevertheless, guys, there's a, there's so much to talk about uh, in regards to uh, Chiefs training camp to this point. Although fans haven't been able to be out there and they've had very limited access for the media, there's still uh, a lot of news coming out, and obviously we have to start from the top. We have to stop with we have to start with Patrick Mahomes. Um, I don't know about you guys. I don't know if you guys have been really uh, staying staying active when it comes to the news that's coming out or the videos that's coming out. Somehow, some way, uh, Patrick Mahomes continues to find ways to shock fans and the media and coaches alike. Uh, you're you're seeing the videos. You're listening to the audio. You're seeing him do things that he did back in Texas Tech, and and you're wondering how the hell he's done it. For me, guys. I, Although we know that Patrick Mahomes is is the solidified best quarterback, best player in the NFL, 
somehow, some way, I feel like Patrick Mahomes is continually climbing that ladder of greatness to where we may have not even seen the best of him. Now, I know a lot of people think, well, no shit, Lance. He's only 24, soon to be 25 years old. He hasn't even entered his prime yet. But I I'm really trying to figure out here, guys, like, with, with the, the matched physical and mental capabilities that, that Patrick Mahomes has, the talent that he has, plus the drive that he has, the work ethic he has, I, I almost wonder that we need to stop looking at the statistics with Patrick, but just the way and the way he will go about his career efficiently. Do you, do you guys believe that we could honestly be seeing a Patrick Mahomes that trumps, maybe not trumps, I, I should say, uh, uh, stumps the, the 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 previous Patrick Mahomes we've seen in the previous Surpasses. two seasons? Do you, do you guys see yeah. that already taking place? Because I don't know how else we can explain him being able to shock the people that have been seeing him grow for the last two years. Trevor, I'll start with you. Yeah, I mean, 100%. And I've said this before. I go back to when he was talking about last season. He was talking about how he still doesn't know how to read all the defenses. You know, so once this guy starts, you know, getting just the life experience of being a year-in, year-out starter in this league, we already know he has the intangibles. You know, we already know he has the juice. We already know he has the internal fortitude to go out there and win it all. He's done that. Basically off the, off the you know, the skin of his own back and his own talents. Um, and, his, and his resilience and his, his willingness to not give up. So once he knows the game through and through, which I believe he's going to be no more knowledgeable this season coming up, of course. I mean, it's just, it's, it's just how it works. I mean, unless he, you know, like I said, like the only thing that could stop this guy from getting better and progressing is an injury. And I'm knocking on wood right now as I say that. So, um, yeah, I mean, absolutely. We can, we can see him surpass what we've already seen so far, which, like, like you said, is the best quarterback in this league. Um I think he's got more to show with his legs too. Like I think he's he's shown that in big moments. I think he I think we're going to see a little more of that this year too, where he extends plays with his legs, um, and I think he can tighten up a spiral a little more. You know, tighten up certain things. But we all know what he can do when the play breaks down. You know, or, or just him having the knowledge, you know, of the game to call that, uh, you know, that uh, the wasp play in the Super Bowl. Just him him that being in his brain, you know, knowing that that moment that play could possibly work and win the game for them um it just shows you that what this guy is capable of and when his mental side of it of it when his mental side of it all kind of catches up to his physical abilities um i mean the sky is the limit to be as cliche as possible i mean this kid is this kid definitely has goat potential and i'm not just saying that because he's my guy um i saw what he did these past two seasons you know overcoming that injury this past season and going and winning a super bowl you know, if he doesn't know how to read all the defenses yet, and he's he's working at that, and he once he learns all the defenses and he has the mind that you know we've seen Peyton Manning and Tom Brady have and know what's coming, good luck. I mean, uh, those guys don't have the physical abilities that Patrick Mahomes has, and he's willing to have the brain that they have. You know, so once you combine the two, I don't. I mean, there's there's no way he doesn't improve. What about you, Eddie? Um, yeah, I. I feel the same way like Trevor said. Uh, the the biggest the biggest point that I uh, that I that I took away from what Trevor said is he was still learning defenses last season on his like Super Bowl run. It is yeah. unbelievable. It is like even hard to believe that this man did not know like a defense up until halfway through that point. And and like Trevor said, he's still learning defenses because he's still not great at reading defenses. He's still learning. And 
to to know that this guy's still learning and he has an MVP and a Super Bowl MVP, it, it's it's crazy. It's hard to believe. It's it's hard to even comprehend. It's kind of uh, like insulting to all the other exact, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> uh, with uh, and then he came out. I, I want to say a couple of weeks ago, saying that he's been watching Aaron Rodgers, Dan Marino. John Elway, he's been watching this old quarterback film. He's been watching Tom Brady film, Aaron Rodgers film. It just tells you, like, how how far he wants to expand his game. He doesn't want to just be Patrick Mahomes. He wants to, you know, just be out there and be more more if he can provide more. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, with him just trying to learn more and more and more as they go, it's crazy. He already has one MVP, one Super Bowl MVP, and this guy is still learning. Uh, so, yes, there's room to improve. With with Bashad Breeland uh, set to be suspended, guys, uh, for the next – or uh, to start the season for their look – it's looking like four games. I know he's probably going to try to appeal it and might get it down to a couple games. But regardless, it's it's looking like Breeland's going to be suspended for at least a couple weeks. Uh, Spags has, has focused on rookie uh, cornerback Bo Pete Keys, who most fans don't even know who he is other than just a cool name. Um, he actually began camp on the injury list with a broken orbital bone. Uh, we all know that the cornerback position was was going to be a focus early and often uh, in training camp and probably throughout the uh, entirety of this season. But for me, I, I feel that even though this position in particular is thin and, and, and probably the thinnest position on the roster, it isn't so much a worry as much as something that needs to be addressed in coaching and overall strategy. And I, and I have this built-in confidence with Spagnolo. Uh, seeing what he did last season in his first year with the makeshift defense. Now that this defense is closer to what he wants it to be, ultimately, I think it takes about three years for a, a DC or an OC to really have their offense or defense the way they want it to be. I, I have this uh, this confidence that, that Spagnolo, although has his deficiencies at that position and with the suspension of his best corner uh, to this point, I, I believe that they are going to have enough to get the job done at that position. How do you guys feel uh, about this position as training camp uh, continues and, the, and we get closer to the, the regular season? Trevor, I'll start uh, with you. Yeah, I mean, it sucks that that happened with Rashad. I mean, it's not too surprising. I don't know all the full details on that and what, what exactly he took to, to you know, be deserving of that. Um, but I think, I, I, like I said, like I've said numerous times on this show, I mean, how can I not trust Spags at this point to uh, know which guy, which body to fill that position right now? Um, I, I think we have, the, I think we have guys right now. I know, we, I know we lost, I think we lost one of our rookies already to another, another rookie quarter to uh, an injury. I forget which guy it was, um, it was ACL or something like that. Um, but I mean, yeah, we, we, this is a position that we've, we've needed more depth at and we still need more depth at, but um, at this point, I don't know how I can't trust uh, Veach and Spags to find guys to fill holes for this defense. You know, they've done it with guys like Mike Pinnell and, you know, other guys that have come in and filled, you know, the spot, you know, admirably. Um, so I'm not too worried about it right now. Um, I, I, I think this team is going to be so good regardless. I mean, four games, it sucks. That's four games without our number one corner. Um, but it's definitely, I think, with the leadership of Tyron Matthew in the second year here, um, you know, and one uh, Hill possibly, you know, being ready to go, which I think he is, um, and our safeties, you know, our, our captains being around, I think, I think this locker room is going to be fine. So, um, yeah, that's how I, I'm, I'm still confident regardless, but we definitely 
need to get our head on straight and, and make sure we got all the guys uh, doing what they need to be doing, uh, especially corners. So. Uh, for me, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not too concerned about it. Uh, I know they went out and got the corner from Miami that got released, about, uh, I think about two weeks ago. Uh, mm-hmm. So that was uh, one signing. I think they were just waiting on his COVID testing or something like that. But there's one addition because they already knew uh, uh, Breland was going to be out for the. F- I want to say for the first four games. I think he's going to be out for the first four games. Um, I just want to put my mind there, you know, put my mind at ease. But yeah, you want to accept uh, it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, might as well. Uh, but no, I, I'd like like Trevor said. I think with with uh, Tornhill coming back, and then you got Tyron Matthew, and then you got obviously Frank Clark, Chris Jones. I think they can elevate anybody that comes in and steps, uh, and, and you know, it's put in that position. And, and uh, I think Spagnolo knows exactly what player can replace what player. Uh, and I think Brett Veach has been has done a, an amazing job in in signing free agents or you know with the draft and everything. So I'm not too concerned about the corners. Last season that was our main key. Like we were all worried about corners. We were just you know like oh man our corners are are just bad. We don't have a good corner. We don't have a, a you know like a name that we that we recognize out there. And they held their own, man. They they held their own, and they pretty much shut everybody's mouth last season. So this this season again with corners, you know, you starting to have that question again. It's like who's gonna step up, you know? But we saw it last season when we questioned them. This year, I think it's gonna be the same. They're gonna, you know, they're gonna step up and shut us up again. Well, you also, Eddie, you just mentioned. I'll, I'll go right back to you, Eddie, um, in regards to Juan Thornhill. Now, there's been a major concern about his development uh, recovering from the ACL tear that he suffered uh, in the last game of the regular season last year. From everything that we're hearing, it it sounds like um, he's really getting, he's really gaining ground. Uh, He's working his way back physically uh, to get back on the field full time. Now, it's a slow start, and they said that he's been limited in practice. Andy Reid has been having him run drills, and he's getting more and more responsibilities as each practice goes on. with the we can sit here and talk about the cornerback situation, but we need to put that aside for a second. With Thornhill coming back slowly, and I do I do mean slowly. I think the Chiefs are really trying to work him back as slow as possible to value that knee. Uh, are you guys confident that this? Because I believe the safeties were incredible last season. I think Tyron Matthew was an absolute MVP. In fact, he won MVP for the team last season. Uh, Dirty Dan's back. I think he's going to be solid. Are you guys confident that the, the safeties can continue and build upon what they what they built last season, even if Juan Thornhill isn't exactly himself to at least start the season? I'll start with you, Eddie. Oh, yeah, definitely, definitely. Uh, Juan Thornhill, once he comes back to the field, man, I think he might miss one or two games at the most. At the most, I'm, I'm looking at two games, but... Uh, yeah, I think he's 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 more hungry, man. Uh, he's he's showing it, and you know his dedication and everything. And we we've seen him post on social media, you know, like you know I'm hungry or I'm you know like 2020 get ready and stuff like that, you know. Uh, so I think him and Tyra Matthew, like being the leaders they are, I think that safety is is just gonna be phenomenal. I I think again this year, I don't think we're gonna have any, you know, like. Uh, any doubts barring any injuries of course uh hopefully he doesn't get re-injured or you know he goes down with a different injury uh but overall i think i think they're gonna be 
probably one of the best groups, uh, one of the best safety groups in in the in the league this season. Yeah, I mean, this is you know year two for Tyron in the system, so I mean, you're we're expecting you know improve, not necessarily improvement, progress. But more, yeah, more. I mean, it's just taking just you know starting from where we from, from where we ended. Yeah, right. So coming off this Super Bowl run, you know, the the the, the slogans run it back. So I fully expect Tyron Matthew to be mentally prepared. And I fully expect him to be there step for step with Juan Cornell, getting him prepped to come back and, and you know, be, a, uh, you, know, you know, finishing from where he left off because he was on a good pace as a rookie. Um, he was very impressive. And then just, just having the, the leadership and experience overall, the years combined between Tyron Matthew and Daniel Sorensen, um, that alone is huge for us. We've, we've missed that these last couple of seasons. Uh, just having those safeties in there. I, I definitely think Spags is going to have these guys ready. Um, like you, it was a, the biggest thing in this offseason. The biggest, most important thing was keeping the, the pieces around, right? And and the continuity and running it back. So keeping that core together, um, having a hungry Juan Thornhill who was already hungry last year is going to be even more hungry this year. Having more to prove because he's you know he didn't get to finish his rookie year and now he's come finishing and trying to finish a full season as a starter, um, as a comeback player. You know, so it's it's just you know the sophomore year for him. So hopefully, you know he 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 will be hungry, which I'm fully expecting. And then yeah, yeah you said Daniel Sorensen. There might be a surprise guy too. Um, I think we drafted a guy. So I mean, there's there's, there's always going to be. I'm always hoping that we have these younger guys that are you know camp bodies, as it looked at in the beginning, that could possibly you know be a rising star out of nowhere. There's always that too. Um, like I said, Thornhill might miss a game or two. Um, I'm expecting him to come back healthy. I'm heard, I've heard nothing but good things. He seems to be very motivated. Um, now I'm not too worried about the, the the safety group, man. Really not. Well, staying on the defensive side and actually talking about another young player, uh, Tano Passio was a, was a bright spot on a bright team last season. Uh, some would even consider him a, an unsung hero of sorts in, in some regard. But this season, I, I believe Tano is coming in with self and outward expectation. Now, I don't know what to expect from him at this time, but I am very much interested to watch Tano play with actual expectations. Uh, yeah. Starting with you, Trevor, uh, do you have expectations for Tano, and what are your expectations if you do have them for Tano? Um, it depends. I mean, I, as, a, as an athlete, I mean, you don't get much better than Tano. The guy is an absolute freak. Um, I like him on the edge. I like him, you know, just that length. Or even in the middle, too. I mean, even if you put him in the middle, you know, jumping and batting down passes, you know, if he can learn that from Chris Jones a little bit, because Chris Jones might be the best in the league at batting down passes. Um, yeah, I mean, I, he's one of those guys I think you can he's, – he's such an athletically gifted guy, and he's so large and long that you can move him around. And, you know, the quarterback's going to notice that giant-ass dude moving around. Um, so I, I do have expectations because this is, what, year four for him? Yeah. So, I, I mean – it's, it's, it's do or die time for him really. So, I mean, there's nothing more motivating, you know, for him as a personal, as, as a, a player, you know, knowing that he has to kind of put up or shut up now. Um, I think, I think what Spags is planning on doing is probably, I, I say move him around, but I think dedicating him to one specific spot for at least a little while. Um, like I said, I think the edge is suited for him. I like him on the edge. I like him coming off the edge. He's, he's pretty quick for his size and he's so long and he can, you know, if he develops any kind of swim move to get around, you know, uh, um, the offensive lineman there, I think, you know, he could be a deadly piece and a great addition to his depth and become and make something of himself, whether it's here or somewhere else. But I'm definitely, I'm looking forward to seeing him progressing as a player because we saw, you know, 
uh, moments last year where he was like, he looked incredible. So if he can find a, a, you know, a consistency there and bring that to the table week in, week out, I mean, we're, we're looking at a, you know, a diamond in the rough there. Yeah, I'm getting, I'm just going to say consistency. Consistency, consistency is key. Uh, uh, he, like you said, Lance, he's been in the league for four years and for him not to be like a, like a house name, you know, somebody that like cheese fans, like, you know, tell you when they talk defense, you know, um, uh, it, it's time for him. Like Trevor said, it's do or die. It's it's, it's now or never, you know? And, and I think his biggest issue has been consistency, consistency uh, throughout uh, throughout the seasons. Uh, so that's just going to be it for me because uh, if he can stay consistent, I think he's going to have a great year. Well, well yeah, he was, he, he was brought in as a project, you know, a kind of a project yeah, yeah. too, so. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, he was, and he was a John Dorsey guy. Um, John Dorsey had a type. He likes those tall, you know, 6'5", six, 6'6", six, 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 type of players on the defensive line, whereas right. Spagnolo likes them a little bit wider. And uh, yeah, so, so naturally, yeah, naturally Tano doesn't really fit the, the Spags mold. However, somehow, some way, Spags was able to craft Tano into an effective player last season. That really excited me personally. I'm not expecting 10 to 12 sacks from Tano. What I want to see, and I'm not really worried about the stat column when it comes to Tano. Uh, I feel like there's other players that are gonna, that are going to worry about that, like Frank Clark and Chris Jones on the in the interior he's a disruptor, side. Of man. He's yes, exactly. Like you mentioned, yeah. Trevor, getting up there, batting balls, making sure that that quarterback who was already he's going through going through hell, having Chris Jones and Frank Clark coming up, you know, near his ass. You know, Tano right. being the guy that's that secondary, if you will, in the interior where he's the one that's watching the eyes, and that's I think that's something that he can absolutely be a value of now. When it comes to a player with expectations, we all know the guys like Clyde Edwards-Hilaire and, and Willie Gay Jr. are going to be the ones at the forefront when it comes to these young players and expectation. Now, I want to talk about both these guys for a second. I'm going to start with Clyde. Uh, it's going to be a two-part question for both of you guys. I'm going to start with Trevor. When it comes to Clyde, I think that everybody knows that his ability to run the ball and catch the ball is going to be insane. It's going to be off the charts, and this guy is going to absolutely be an Offensive Rookie of the Year candidate up there with Joe Burrow and the like. So we're not going to have to address that part of it because I don't think we're really worried about that. But a lot of concern, especially since Damian Williams is no longer in the picture, at least for this season, is the pass blocking aspect. Is is Clyde going to be able to protect Patrick Mahomes? Are we going to be able to have confidence in, in Clyde protecting Patrick Mahomes? For me personally, just as a side note, um, uh, something I give uh, Clyde uh, when it comes to the confidence I have in him, because again, this has been something I've heard you know Chiefs fans legitimately question. Uh, not that they're they don't believe he can do it, just they question it and they're worried about it. Is the fact that where did Clyde come from just a year ago? LSU defending who, protecting who? Joe Burrow, who was the number one overall pick on the championship winning team. So there's my confidence right there, and I hope I don't steal in your guys' thunder in that. But that's just my piece on it. Now, when it comes to Willie Gay Jr., everything we're hearing from camp is it seems that he's he's not really hurting in any category. It's that the, the, the veterans around him, like Anthony Hitchens, have mentioned that maybe Willie Gay needs to bring it back just a little bit because he's going so quick and he's overachieving to this point that you don't want to see him overextend himself. So my first question is, what is your guys' confidence level when it comes to Clyde's pass protection? And do you feel or are you worried at all that Willie Gay might be overexerting himself trying to prove himself too early? Well, for Clyde, I'll say this. I mean, I know when we first drafted him, one of his first interviews, he was, he was already talking about working on pass protection. So I think that's been the key 
uh, thing for him. I mean, like you said, he was he was already blocking for Joe Burrow, and he was the every down back for Joe Burrow. So I think him knowing what it's like to have pressure uh, on him to to perform in that area, um, he's already kind of. I know Joe Burrow is not Patrick Mahomes, but that's a big school and one of the biggest names in, in, in college football at that time. So him having that on his shoulders to to bear that load, to know he's he's got to protect his guy, he's, it's kind of kind of already innate in him. So I think you know him coming in um, and already talking about that with his early interviews when he was first you know uh, being interviewed as a chief, um, he knows you know. And I think I think Andy Reid and, and and Spags and all these guys, all the coaches on the sidelines, have feed it into him. You know that. You know, this is something you're going to have to perfect and get better at. Um, and I, I, I think I fully believe that he's going to be the ever down back here. Um, I think the guy is the complete package, especially for this offense. Um, we don't even need to talk about what he can do offensively, but as far as the, the, the you know, the blocking and the, you know, being having the alertness to see the, the guys coming, um, I think I think he'll be ready when the time comes. I mean, he's going he to have some rookie mistakes along the way, I'm sure. Um, but I, I think we have a good locker room. I think we have a good running back locker room, and I think Coach Reed beats it into all of his guys. You know, and if, and if you get exposed and you, you make a couple mistakes in a row, you will probably take a seat if you you know allow Pat to get blindsided a couple times and you don't chip anybody or you don't you know throw you know dive into somebody's chest. You know, you're gonna, he's going to learn the hard way. He's going to take he's you know you got to expect some lumps for these running backs um, to learn that because the NFL is a whole different. The whole different beast. A lot faster. You got guys coming off the edge a whole lot quicker than you expected, um, and they're a lot bigger and stronger at this point in their career. So you got to be ready for that. And I think he'll be mentally ready for it. But I expect some slip ups from him. It's just how it is with running backs. Um, I definitely think he'll get his numbers offensively. But that's something he's, he knows he's going to have to work on and be ready for. Um, and then with Gay, uh, I just think I was so stoked on that pick. Um, I think he's a wild horse. I think they're just trying to, like you said, trying to bring back the reins a little bit, kind of paint him a little bit. He's very, he's not fully broke yet, which I kind of like because he's so athletically gifted. He can, you know, he's, he's he's very quick and very agile and very, he just wants to, he wants to make plays. And that's what we've been missing is playmaking middle linebacker. Um, so my expectations for, my expectations for him are very high because I think he's going to be a day one starter. Um, I think he, he's coming into this league hungry because I think he wanted to be picked even higher than he was because I think he's very confident in himself, which I love, and he fell into the best spot possible. Um, when you have an offense that's good and a quarterback that good, you're going to have a lot of pressure off of you. Um, so, I, But I think he's got, like you said, he's got a chip on his shoulder, uh, and the guys in the locker room, the coaches know that, and I'm excited to see what this, this kid's going to become. So. All right, for me, uh, with uh, let's go with the running back first. Uh, I don't have any concerns from uh, Edward Herrera uh, at all. Uh, I've seen some of the uh, some of the training camp videos. Uh, uh, there was one where he, where, uh, he was actually wearing the mic and nobody wanted to get close to him. <laughs> that was funny. Yeah. Um, but I, I've seen that uh, from draft to to what training camp is, and to uh, for me, like I can see the physical difference from from draft night to to j- just recently. Uh, so I, I I think that's one of the biggest things he's been working on this offseason. I, I I do believe that he knew that that was one of the areas he had to work on, and he I think he knew that, you know, uh, with Patrick Mahomes being the quarterback, it was going to be a, one of the biggest responsibilities he had was to be able to block and you know try and keep uh, Patrick Mahomes as healthy as possible, you know, throughout uh, the NFL season. So I don't have any concerns on that. Uh, I think he's he's ready. Uh, 
like Trevor said, it's it is a little it's it's gonna be a little bit quicker. It's gonna be a little bit tougher to 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 block this tough guys. So I know there's gonna be some bumps, like Trevor said. Uh, I, I do feel like there's gonna be a little, some bumps in the road, especially with no preseason. So they're gonna go straight into an NFL season. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so rookies going straight into the NFL season. It, it's that's the only question I have. It's like going straight into a season rather than having those preseason games to build you up to the to the NFL level, you know, to the NFL expectation. As for uh, as for as for Gay, uh, I don't have any concerns uh, necessarily that he's going, you know, that extra mile. Uh, rookies this year, they have to they have to go the extra mile for like 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 I said, there is no preseason, so they have to push, they have to prove, and they have to earn their spot. You know what I mean? They have to they have to show everything they can to earn that spot, to earn that respect, because this year. You're going straight into a season, straight into an NFL season. So that's already a lot of pressure on these guys. So, but yeah, I, I have no no uh, concerns or anything. Final question for you guys, um, and this is a big one, obviously, because injuries are going to happen. Uh, we we know that this is a game of violence. Uh, it's not a, just a contact sport; it's a collision sport. So naturally, you're going to have guys go down all throughout the year from training camp to the playoffs. Especially, you know, with a year like this where there were no OTAs and training camp has been different in more ways than a few, so everyone's been a little thrown off. And and, and we know that Tyreek has a hamstring injury, which has been deemed minor by the Chiefs medical staff and should be fine, obviously, by week one. But are you guys feeling any type of anxiety or worry when it comes to this team's overall health as we draw closer to the season? Because... We, we, you know, Damien will, Damien Williams is gone. Uh, Laurent Duvernay Tardif is gone. Uh, the Chiefs have, like I said, have had these little injuries here and there. Are, are you guys feeling that this this team could be at that brink where, okay, now we need to start kind of worrying about the validity of these types of injuries? They might, you know, be a little bit different this time around. Are these guys going to be actually physically ready uh, for the season? I'll start with you, Trevor. I mean, I'm not going to worry about things that haven't happened yet. I can't predict who's going to get hurt or what, you know. I am a little cautious about the depth of the offensive line with, with LDT being gone um, and how that's going to play out. I, I trust Reed to figure it out, but at the same time, you know, protecting Patrick Holmes is number is, you know, is the first thing on everyone's board, you know, to take care of. Um, so, like you said, injuries, injuries are inevitable. They're going to happen. Um, hopefully they don't happen to key players. Um, as shitty as that sounds, I man, I know you don't want anybody to get hurt, but you don't want you know your main pieces to get hurt. Um, but as we saw last year, I mean, the injury happened, you know, to the player, and we still won the Super Bowl. We still managed, you know, we still figured it out. Um, I don't think that's going to happen again this year. So, I mean, if we can overcome that level of, you know, of those kind of obstacles – then I don't think anything is going to knock us off our path here. I think because I think we went through about as many obstacles last year as we could with the deficits, with the injuries. So, um, no, I'm not. I'm not really worried, man. I think it is weird and not having the preseason, but we've seen the preseason fucking ruin team seasons with preseason injuries. So, I mean, if they're going to happen, I'd rather an injury happen in week one than in the preseason. You know, it doesn't make too much of a difference. I know, but at the same time, I, I'm not going to sit here and worry about. Um, you know, who's, who could possibly get hurt, you know, is Tyreek's hamstring okay? If anything, we know Tyreek is an absolute freak. Um, we've seen him battle through all kinds of injuries, you know, soft tissue injuries and all. 
um, or get absolutely obliterated on a hit and just get up and shake it off. Um, so I'm not too worried about Tyreek. He, he seems to be, if you follow him on social media, he seems to be taking his, his fitness and his overall health this season, especially very seriously. He looks like he's in incredible shape once again. Um, so I'm not worried about him. Um, you know, Travis Kelsey keeping his body right. That's a, that's a definite, uh, thing, you know, you got to keep in mind. I don't expect him not to be, uh, I think he'll be ready. I think all of our guys will be ready. So, no, I'm not really tripping on it, man. I'm not, you know, worried about it. But the offensive line is the only thing, the depth of the offensive line is the main thing for me is protecting Pat. So, um, that's the only thing that's on my mind, really. But as far as everyone else, Juan Thornhill getting himself right, getting back, let's rock and roll, man. Uh, as for me, uh, concerns with injuries, uh, I mean, not really. Uh, we we saw last season. Last season is going to be, like, the biggest, the biggest point here because – Last season, we had every obstacle we could ever have in, yep. in I guess, in any team. Your your main star, your your quarterback went down uh, against the, the the Broncos, and you 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 honestly did not know when he was going to come back. You honestly, we we didn't know how like bad that injury was, but but we had uh, Matt Moore come in, step in, and you know, take care of business. Uh, yeah, we lost the game, but. I think he played. He he outplayed what everybody had hoped. Uh, you know, uh, everybody was just hoping to you know keep there at least. But he exceeded expectations. Uh, last season we uh, we were out with Eric Fisher for a while. We you know we lost all these players throughout throughout the season. And, and even though Andy and Spagnola were not ready, they were able to you know, to uh, substitute those guys with, with somebody. You know, the next person up came in and, and did their job. Yeah, they were, they were a little, you know, you can tell the difference. They were a little rusty. Uh, obviously, your favorite player, Irving. and hmm. You mean Interstate 75? <laughs> but, I mean, you know, they, they did the best they could, and, you know, they made it to where we won the Super Bowl. Uh, I think this year they're going to be more ready, more prepared. Uh, they're going to... You know, they're going to understand, and, you know, I, I think Andy and Spagnolo are ready to, to handle those obstacles. So Yeah, and I think we, I think also I'll throw in there, too, I think we forget that we're going to have a full season, you know, knock on wood once again, a full season of a healthy Frank Clark, right? Because we yeah. Frank Clark was dealing with massive amounts of pain. Um, yeah, with that, yeah, he, that's, that's yeah, with the, he, nerves, yeah. Every time he would collide with someone, he said he was having, like, you know, like fiery, shocking pains up and down his body. You know, so he wasn't right, you know, for about, what, 65, 70% of the season, mm -hmm. you know. And maybe he wasn't right. I don't think he was really right all year, even through the Super Bowl. So, I mean, the fact that we have – he still has some untapped potential that we haven't really seen from Frank Clark yet in year two in this system, I'm super excited about that. So well, I just want to throw that in there. Fellas, we are less than three weeks away from week one oh. at Arrowhead against the Texans. I'm excited. Ah, dude, and that, you know, you guys know what that also means. We're two weeks away from our annual NFL prediction show. Oh. I don't know. I don't know about you guys, but I'm not gonna be able to stand up for a few minutes after saying all that. So <laughs> we got some. We got some exciting stuff coming up, man. We're gonna have some really good guests uh, leading into that, um, talking about the Chiefs, man. I, I hope you, uh, the viewing audience, are, are ready because we got some pretty cool cats gonna be joining into the festivities very shortly. Uh, but in the meantime, man, uh, to cover this, to cover all these things just gets me so excited because I just know that we're one step closer uh, to getting to the the season that we all know and love so much and, and are definitely anticipating to try to see this team run it back. Uh, but in the meantime, guys, we're going to take a quick break. 
Uh, I think that was a fun, fun segment. But we're gonna we're gonna get back, guys, because we have our guy Eddie Ortiz obviously back, which means the Eddie Hour follows him. So I cannot wait to hear the questions that my guy Eddie Ortiz has for us in the Eddie Hour. So we're gonna take a quick break and we're gonna get to that. I promise you guys it's gonna be fun. We'll get back to that after this. Back at it again on the Spoken Podcast for segment number three. I am your host, Lance Twidwell, here inside the KCP and studios, and from afar, but nevertheless together, my guys, Trevor Twidwell. What's good? And Eddie Ortiz. Yo, yo, yo. Miss Gad is in the back on the ones and twos, making things pop, making things happen. Couldn't do this without her. We literally thank her each and every time we get an opportunity to do so, and we are so glad that you guys are here as well. Everybody on the live stream, on YouTube, or just listen to the podcast going old school man we appreciate all of you guys equally we love you guys so much we thank you so much for being here with us uh get i believe we had a few questions or a few comments rather on the stream is it okay if we uh, run some of those real quick mostly everyone is so excited to hear that they can actually hear eddie <laughs> um, i've gotten more comments about how incredible uh, eddie sounds and trevor sounds like he's in a well so thank you Donnie, <laughs> for those Thank you. Um, Thank you. Everyone, once again, is like writing Eddie's dick as the backbone of this show. As if that isn't something that we deal with every week. Literally, every time. Why are you surprised? Why are you surprised? Cult following, man. You're you're like the human form of Pulp Fiction. (laughs) Truly, though. Yeah. uh, We're going to talk about Mike Pinnell's suspension as Mm. well. We got to talk about that. That was from the comments on the couch. Originally brought it up. Uh, and then Shaggy Shane also was talking about Alphabet or Passignon, as you guys, I call him Alphabet, whatever, was drafted ahead of Kamara. Um, still baffles me. We've got like a couple of comments, too, about having fast linebackers. If we haven't seen the video the Chiefs put up for him uh, at the Sam linebacker spot, he's a monster. Um, concerned about Willie Gay Jr. having only played seven or nine games in his college career. Just a lot of like kind of filler comments about what you guys were already touching on um, and kind of the concerns that you can hear from sure. this kingdom all across the board. Well, just just real quick um, on a couple of those topics um, in regards to Mike Pinnell, the, the biggest reason why 
I, I didn't really make it a, a focus to touch on is because I don't really feel like we know for certain what's going on. I know that yeah. Spags kind of slipped up, and I do believe he did slip up. I don't think he was supposed to say the things he said because uh, they haven't really revisited it since, at least to my knowledge, uh, as to what's going on. I, I would imagine if we're going to speculate here that Pinnell probably got hit for some sort of PED use or some sort of banned substance, whatever the case is. So until we actually know of something of substance, literally and figuratively, uh, I kind of feel like we need to just kind of leave that one open open-ended but it's a it's a legitimate concern i believe it was donnie that asked that rose that question up uh yeah i i think there are legitimate concerns about the fact that willie gay hasn't really played a lot uh in actual games but if we know anything about natural talent and people that work hard that's not really a legitimate concern to, to bring up a, a basketball uh, comparison if we if it's okay uh kyrie irving only played i think five games in his college career and ended up becoming one of the best players in the NBA. Now, he does have injury concerns, but the point remains is that I don't th – and, and we see guys that don't even play college basketball or college sports that end up flourishing in their profession. So I understand it's a legitimate thing to, to, to talk about and it is a legitimate talking point, but when it comes to Willie Gay, I think he's so naturally gifted. I think he's so ready for the NFL. He's got a man body already, already at 21, 22 years old. Oh, man. A man body. He's got a man body. He's got it. You know, it's like he some guys walk in the league. Man body. I'm so uncomfortable by this. <laughs> he doesn't look like Cooper Cup is what I'm saying. You know, he he looks like a I, no comment on that because he's gonna end up ripping the shirt off like Hulk, and I'm just not. I'm not ready for that. <laughs> he does that on the spoken after dark, so we're just gonna leave that one there. <laughs> I'm still waiting for the Twin Brothers, like the reality show. Just it's happening. Guys, like shirtless, walking around the house. Yeah, we're we're in contract talks with the Kardashians. Yeah, we're 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 gonna be called keeping up with the Twidashians. It's gonna be a, a horrible one episode pilot, and it's gonna get canceled. Oh, and the concussion. But it'll be on E. I also forgot the concussion. The con yeah, the concussion talk. Okay, who's uh? uh let's see here. I know that I completely skimmed over. It, so go ahead. Oh yeah, you're fine. Absolutely. But yeah, like I said, uh, I, I'm not concerned about Willie Gay. I don't think that you guys are either. I don't want to speak for you guys, but I think we 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 voiced our confidence in him for sure. Uh, and yes, Tano being picked over Alvin Kamara is still something that is absolutely baffling. Yes, Shaggy, you are 100 percent correct mm -hmm. on that. I will never understand that one. I don't know what John Dorsey was like, thinking. Literally, like what he did. I, I just, he would, I can't. He would have fit perfectly in this offense too. Mm -hmm. I mean, Alvin Kamara was Jamal Charles mm -hmm. coming out of that draft, and that's high praise. That, I know, but, but uh, healthier Jamal Charles. Though. Yeah, he and he would have been healthier. Exactly, younger, uh, more to prove, driven, all that stuff. So yeah, I, I don't understand that one at all. But we'll we'll take what we got, which is a Super Bowl ring. So nevertheless, uh, not to waste any more of our guy Eddie's time, it is the Eddie Hour for the first time in two weeks. So Eddie. Take over, Mr. Yo Yo Yo. It is your time to shine, my man. No, I didn't. I didn't do anything. I didn't do anything. We're moving on. Let's mute him. <laughs> <laughs> so sorry for interrupting. <laughs> All right. First question. Uh, Lakers show signs of shooting trouble in Game One of the NBA playoffs. Is it a real concern now that the playoffs are in full swing motion? Or are you guys still confident the Lakers will wake up? Uh, it's a little bit of both for me. Uh, I do think it is a legitimate concern that the, the Lakers are so inconsistent uh, from the three-point side of things. Now, if you watch the game last night in game two against the Blazers, the, the Lakers were getting buckets in the paint at will. I mean, they had no problem uh, scoring the easy buckets. But as far as the three-point side of things, yeah, Danny Green uh, can't hit. 
uh, the the ocean with a bucket of water, and he's in a boat. Like it's so bad, he can't hit anything. He, he's he's atrocious on the offensive side. Uh, Kuzma's so up, up and down with his shooting. Uh, don't, we don't even need to start with Caruso and KCP, who are wildly inconsistent with their three point shooting. Uh, but nevertheless, I mean, you, you look at the the deficiencies they have on the offensive side as a whole, and their state they absolutely obliterated uh, the Trailblazers in Game Two, where it, it, it didn't even look like the same team. Uh, from game one offensively and it's it all it's all hinged upon the Lakers uh, elite defense and they are arguably the best defensive team in the NBA and they start you really started to see them click last night uh, in game two and and I feel like even though they have deficiencies the reason why I'm still confident that this this Lakers team is still going to win the title is because of the fact that they at any given time they can lock down anybody and li I mean literally anybody. I know Damian Lillard went down with the injury last night, but as before he even got that injury, the, the Lakers were up 30 points. And they again, they were not scoring well. The Lakers did not have a great offensive night, and yet they were still up 30 points. And even though the game was over by the beginning of the fourth quarter, I believe the Blazers ended the game with only 87 points total. So the Lakers are clicking. They're finally starting to get into that rhythm. I'm not making excuses for how they played in week in game one because they played like ass. But in game two, you started to see this team really start putting it together. And that's considering the fact that LeBron James had probably his worst offensive scoring night in his playoff career in that game. So uh, that's where I'm at. I'm still just as confident as I was before with this Lakers team. They just, they're just really slow to improve. Yeah, I mean, as far as the Lakers go, I'm not really worried at all. Um, my biggest concern is this officiating the bubble so far in these playoffs. Mm -hmm. um, I just want to start with that because it's been it, on both sides. It's not like I'm like complaining about the, the Lakers not getting enough calls or the calls that they do get or that the Blazers get are just trash-ass, non-playoff, soft calls. And it's just been really hard to watch and enjoy when it's just the most ticky-tack calls, you know, that usually don't get called in the playoffs that are just – too much. It's just been too much. I think they need to loosen it up a little bit, uh, let the guys play a little bit, because they're not allowing the physicalities of this game that we love. Um, and it's already been a soft relief for the most part of this past decade, but it, it's just like it's overbearing right now with way too many uh, of those calls. So I'll start with that. But as far as the Lakers go, I mean, the the formula to beat this 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 team that barely made the playoffs, I'm not disrespecting them, but they, this is not they were not a good team all year. They just weren't. And they, they caught a stride in the bubble, congratulations, but they're running into the, the best team in the West. In my mind, the best team in the NBA. Um, and the formula isn't keep up with them, you know, shooting-wise. The Lakers don't have to shoot great to beat this Blazers team. They did. They have to do what they did last night and dominate them defensively to allow McCollum or Lillard to go off, um, you know, contain them as much as possible, double them, you know, and trap them, meet them at half court, and trap them, put the pressure on them to create a play, not just, you know, sheer will of the shooting abilities. Uh, player defense, Lakers, we all know, one of the best, if not the best defense in the league, we see it, you know, on a, night, on a nightly basis when they're on their game. Um, and KCP, you know, hit a few of his threes. They don't need a lot of threes to shoot lights out to beat this team. Just, you know, hit enough, you know, to make them respect it. Um, KCP did his thing. I think, I believe he had 16 points, which is all you need from him. 15, 16 points on a nightly basis from KCP, you're, you're looking at a win. Because um, LeBron looks like he can score at any – it will – Pretty much, there's not, there's no one stopping him. Uh, he just needs to make his layups. He's missing a couple unexcusable ones there uh, the other night. Um, so if LeBron's on his game, he's pretty much been playing facilitator and letting AD do his thing and really get AD confident in the playoffs. And I think it's genius because AD's had a lot of failures in the playoffs, specifically late in games. 
So I think LeBron letting AD eat, you know, in, in this first matchup that he knows he can eat up, you know, uh, inside against, it's it's important. And AD needs to get his, you know, the bearings going because um, we know how great he is, but we haven't seen how great he can really be deep into the postseason. I think that's what LeBron's really trying to expose and get him going there. Um, so I'm as confident as I've, I've ever been in a LeBron James team. Uh, this is a LeBron James team that's number one in the West for a good reason. Um, they have the guys that can get this done. Um, I don't really, I don't see them losing another game in this series, um, especially as long as they can shoot, you know, 30-ish percent from three. I mean, you're not asking for a lot to, be, to beat this Blazers team. So I think this defense is good enough. Take care of business. Do what you got to do. Play physical. Um, just, But the, the officiating has just been absolute hot trash. Um so, and I really hope that I really hope that Damian Lillard can play in Game Three because I I would hate to see him miss. You know out. he's going to. Yeah, yeah that guy. I'm saying effectively to too because I know that finger I, that looked horrible. Yeah, that sucks, man. You hate seeing. It. I love. I'm a big Damian Lillard fan. I love him. I love the, the competitiveness <laughs> he brings. As being an undersized guy and shooting his shooting capabilities is absolutely insane. Um, so I mean, uh, yeah. Hopefully he's healthy. Hopefully he's healthy enough to play, which I believe he will be, even if he wasn't. Um, yeah, last night was, just, I think, um, an example game of what, you know, the Lakers can kind of do when they want to really turn it on. Defensively, I'm not worried, but as long as they can get some production from the shooters, that's all you really need. LeBron James doesn't need you, you know, shooting 70% from the, you know, from the deep. Just you know, hit a few of them, make it respectable, and LeBron and AD are going to take care of business. All right. Uh, next question. Gordon Hayward to miss four weeks. Are the Celtics done? No, uh, I, I do think this is a major setback. The good thing for the Celtics is the Bucks don't look as scary as a lot of people anticipated them to be. The Sixers are done. You want to talk about a team that's done. They're done, and ironically, it's going against the Celtics. The only team I see in the East, and, and I'm, going to give the, I'm going to give the Heat some respect because they've been playing absolutely great basketball. They have incredible shooting in Duncan Robinson and Tyler Hero, these young players, and, and Jimmy Butler's been playing out of his mind, as we all expect. Um, but having said that, I feel like there's only one team that I can confidently say is going to really stand in the Celtics' way and match up with them uh, strike for side, and that is the Toronto Raptors. I, I think that the Toronto Raptors have really established themselves as a legitimate title contender and a legitimate threat to the Eastern Conference, and not just this year, but for the next couple of years at least. Um, and so, yes, I, I think that the Celtics are st – I'm still sticking with them. I, I've told Trevor this off air. I'm going to say it here. I am still 100% on my prediction that I, the Celtics are going to make it out of the Eastern Conference because Jason Tatum has become – he is slowly – and not slowly, I should, I should correct myself. He is quickly – putting himself in the upper echelon of star players in this league. Uh, I, I, I've been nothing short of impressed with how he's played because it isn't just he's putting up highlight reels. This guy's putting up 30 points on almost a nightly basis. I don't think he put up 30 points to, in Game 3, but this guy is getting the job done. He's a leader, he's young, and he's already proven himself and established himself as a respectable star in this league. And I think the Celtics are, are absolutely following him. Gordon Hayward is a massive loss, but from what it sounds like, if, if the Lakers or the Celtics can get to the Eastern Conference Finals, that Gordon has an outside chance of getting himself back in there. But with Brad Stevens leading this pack with Jason Taylor and Jalen Brown and Kemba Walker, I think they have more than enough to get to the get through the Eastern Conference. Yeah, I mean, are they done? Absolutely not. Um, I, I I thought it was a blow because just having the IQ of, of Hayward on the court is is huge. Uh, his leadership is huge. 
He's a solid defender, and he gets things. He's a very good in-transition offense type of guy or pushing the ball up the court. Um, very smart guy just to have out there. Um, he just he's had untimely injuries, man, um, and it sucks. It sucks to see him. But I think this team is, is deep enough and coached well enough, like Lance said. Um, Brad Stevens is a hell of a coach. So I do expect – I mean, they just won. They just beat the Sixers again, so they're up 3-0. They're about to finish this sweep more than likely. Um, so uh, I think they'll have enough time to rest, um, you know, heading into their next uh, matchup, whoever it may be. Um, but I think – yeah, I, I don't think they're done. I think Jason Tatum is is on his way to becoming a superstar in this league. Uh, he's definitely improving. He's showing improvement on defense. So once he, you know, gets his defensive prowess – together and become, it can become a, a, an extremely solid two-way player. I mean, sky's the limit for that guy. He's incredible. Um, but, yeah, I think they have the depth. I think they have the attitude. These guys are hungry. They failed already, you know, with, with this same core. Um, and they want – and now they know that they can take advantage of a, a LeBron-less – another chance to take advantage of a LeBron-less Eastern Conference. They don't have that in their way. Right? They don't have Kawhi in their way. Um, so this is – I feel like they believe that this is their shot you know, their best chance at getting to that, that, you know, opportunity to win it. And uh, I fully expect them to be the most motivated team in the East. Um, as far as most motivated player, that's definitely Giannis. He's hungry as all hell. But I think that the, as far as a core and a coach combination, uh, the Celtics want this. They want to at least get to the dance. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm not worried about the Celtics at all. I don't think the Toronto Raptors would stop them either. I, I think the Toronto Raptors are the team that would do it. But I just I think this team is too deep and talented and hungry. Uh, yeah, and that's my take on it. I can see that. Uh, is now that my mic's on, everyone. I just wanted to like let you guys know that my mic's on now and you can hear me. Uh, is Gordon <laughs> yeah. Hayward the GEZ of the East Coast? <laughs> oh my god! Like, what the fuck is that haircut though? You go from the Utah <laughs> Jazz, and now all of a sudden you're slick as shit. Like you're you're. Well, the GEZ, he has the GEZ vibe to him, but the, but the Doc Holiday mustache right. is what kind of sets him into his own category. The facial hair is yeah. strong. Like, and, yeah. and the Twidwell fam, obviously, you guys have something. Eddie's got a strong, like, I'm waiting for my mustache to grow in. It hasn't shown up yet. Thanks a lot, Dad. Like, I don't understand, like, why I'm not getting a beard yet. Um, but, like, I just, I think that, like, when you cross facial hair boundaries, mm -hmm. especially NBA, where look and appearance is everything. Everything. You go full g easy in Boston. <laughs> hey, fuck with him and get some money. I guess saying? so. I guess so. Uh, clearly, wow. the listeners are all worried about if he's the GEZ of the East Coast. Uh, absolutely not. <laughs> That's a good question. Solid uh, worry. It's a solid worry. Yeah. Clearly. Thank you. <laughs> All right, moving on. Next question. Are the Mavericks in a position to eliminate the Clippers after what we have seen in two games? Yes, they are in position. Um, am I still going to pick with my stick with my pick for the Clippers to win this series in six? Yes, I will. However, that, that pick is shaky as hell, guys. I mean, I, I, I'm not hitting the, the panic button, but I located the panic button. That's for sure. Uh, because of the fact that the Clippers, it's the same concern I've had with them before the season even began. Uh, I don't think that they're the type of team that I, that I take seriously. I know they have a collection of serious talent, and Doc Rivers is one hell of a coach. There is, there, as I talked to Reese Holiday last week on this show all from Elite Media, the continuity, chemistry, and camaraderie all matter. And the Clippers have none of those. 
at least not to this point. The Mavericks do. The Mavericks have the most efficient offense we have ever seen in NBA history. Luka Doncic, at 21 years old, is doing things not even Kareem Abdul-Jabbar ever did in his playoff career. This kid is leading this team. You want to talk about Jason Tatum. I'm giving Jason Tatum a lot of praise. Luka Doncic is playing 10 times better than Jason Tatum is. 70 and points in his first two playoff games ever. Never happened 70. before. Never happened before. J J Luka Doncic is leading this team, and Kristaps Porzingis is one of the greatest acquisitions the Mavericks have ever made as a franchise. Uh, not to mention they have a plethora of shooters surrounding both of those guys, and they're both shooters in themselves. Rick Carlisle being one of the elite coaches in this league. The Clippers are in trouble, and I, and I know the game right now from what I'm seeing, and, and obviously we're doing a live stream here. Uh, the Clippers and, and Mavericks are pretty much neck and neck in this game. I picked the Clippers to win this game. I picked the Clippers to pick this to win this series. I'm going to stick with it because at the end of the day, I do know they're the better team, and I do have faith that Kawhi Leonard can lead his team at least out of the first damn round. Uh, so, but yes, the Mavericks have absolutely positioned themselves to win this series. And if they end up doing that, when I look back, I don't think I'm going to be as shocked as I might be at this at this current time. Yeah, I mean, okay, I I, I, I knew this was the matchup. I definitely I picked the Clippers in the beginning. But I will say, man, um, if Porzingis didn't get you know, ejected that first game, I I truly believe that the Mavericks are up 2-0 right now. 100%. So... I can't help but tilt a little bit right now because my confidence and when I watched that last game, I know this game is going on right now behind me, um, but I watched Kawhi and Paul George try to flip that switch last game when they knew they needed to win that game. They knew they needed to, to put them away and go up 2-0, and they, they were doing that, and they were trying, and they failed. So I, playoff P might be real, man. I mean, I, if, he, if, if Kawhi, if it's just the Kawhi show and he's got to try to do it all himself and depend on – the uh, non-existing chemistry that this this team has, you know, with guys in and out. Beverly is not even playing today again, you know. So I don't know. I, I think I was pretty confident the Clippers taking it just with the, with the overall experience of the, of the two leaders here with Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. But I, like I said, I saw them trying to flip that switch and use it, use that next that next little energy, that little, little flip of the switch that they have, you know, to lock guys down and finish and put this game away, but they couldn't. They were trying to, and they were getting outmatched, outskilled. Um, by these two young guys, Porzingis and Luka Doncic. Luka Doncic looks unguardable, and this is the two best wing players in the league. I don't know. I think if the, I think I mean I'm going to agree with my guy Nick Wright on first things first when he said this morning. I, I think if if Dallas wins this game, they're winning the series tonight. I think if they win tonight, they're going up two one. I think the series is over. I think they're too much. I think they can. I think Luka is just he's the most experienced 20 year old we've ever seen in this league. You know, the guy was winning championships at 15 years old playing with grown men. So this guy is tested. He's tried, so he's he's ready to go. And Porzingis has that nastiness to him, and he's it might be even more of a mismatch for the Clippers than Luke, than Luca is because his skill set at the height that he is is hard to manage with the lack of height that the Clippers have, right? And then Boban, also another sleeper guy too, has been you ring. Hey, he's been very effective <laughs> with his minutes, and he's a tough guy to, to defend with that height and size that he has. And he's, he's also like the sweetest really, guy ever. Yeah, well, he gets him a lot of second-chance points when he's on the floor. Um, so, I mean, this Dallas team is not to be, not, you know, not to be taken lightly. You know, they've proven that. You know, like I said, I saw, I saw it in the eyes of Kawhi. I saw the urgency in him and Paul George, and they just couldn't get it done. And they just were literally beat. So, if that happens again tonight, I'm picking Dallas to win, take care of the rest of the series. Interesting. Interesting. 
All right. Next question. The Knicks once again miss out on the first overall pick. Is this some kind of curse? No, it's not a curse. The Knicks deserve this. I mean, okay, maybe there's a chance that Dolan deserves this. Yes, they do. You know, no, 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 no. James Dolan deserves this. Let's just let's just cut the shit, guys. Fair. Like, like the Knicks are gonna always be the Knicks in this regard as long as James Dolan has his hand in the pot, because he is bad news. He is the NBA equivalent of Dan Snyder. And if you guys know anything about the the Washington football team, nothing goes good for them. And so the Knicks have cemented themselves as the bad news bears of the NBA. And again, it all goes around one in particular individual, and that is James Dolan. So to be honest with you, I feel bad for Knicks fans. I know Stephen A. Smith probably opened his window and considered jumping, but the point remains... This this is the this is the type of stuff that happens to people who ask for bad things, maybe not intentionally, but this is what's happening when James Dolan is kicking out his own fans for just simply saying he's a bum, which is a fact, by the way. That is not something that's unfair. This guy is more concerned about going on tour with a shitty ass band than trying to put his team in a position to win games. I mean, you see, Trevor and I were watching the Clippers Mavericks game the other night, and we're watching Steve Ballmer, a multi billionaire. Flipping out because his team is losing this game. He cares. And you see that. You see these owners like Mark Cuban who are invested in their franchise that want to see their team succeed. Guess what? They start to succeed because of that. Because it starts at the top. And James Dolan is anything but a leader. Is anything but an adequate owner, and you see that reflect upon the entire franchise. So I don't feel bad for them. And if this is a curse, it's a curse they asked for. Yeah, I mean, I, it feels like. I mean, I know this isn't. As far as I know, it's not rigged. Um, but it feels like they're just trying to force Dolan. I, I mean, I don't. I know he's the owner. You can't really force him out. But I don't know, man. It, it sucks. I, I want. I really want to. See, see the Knicks succeed. I want to see them become a good franchise because it, it would only be good for basketball, I think. Just having, you know, um, that historical franchise kind of revamped. And I mean, they have, they have good young talent there. They have R.J. Barrett and Kevin Knox and Dennis Smith Jr., uh, Julius Randle. You know, they have good players over there, a good young nucleus that they could build around. I think R.J. Barrett is a solid player, has a bright future in the NBA. Um, so, I mean, they got, look, they got the eighth pick, right? Yes. Yeah. So I mean, yeah, they're. I believe they had like the sixth most, uh, the sixth the top six chance or the, forget like their 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 odds. They're like six in the odds of landing the first spot, and they didn't even land in the top six spots. <laughs> you know, so like they landed the eighth spot when they were sixth most likely to get the first, and they didn't even get into the top six. You know, so that sucks. It uh, it does suck. Uh, I feel I feel bad for Knicks fans because they've suffered through it, and we know as Chiefs fans how it feels in a way um, uh, to be heartbroken constantly. But in the NBA, the lottery picks is such a big deal because it's the drafts are so top heavy with talent. Um, I mean, there could be somebody in the eight in top eight players that you know that that falls. Who knows? Uh, who knows if they try to trade up and you know do something there? But yeah, man, it's uh, it's unfortunate for Knicks fans for sure. All right, let's get a little bit serious now. Uh, this next question, I uh, last talked about a, a little bit about the the chief situation earlier in his monologue, but Trevor, I want to get your thoughts on the whole 
headdress and the face painting at Arrowhead Stadium? It, it changes nothing for me, man. Like, I don't understand the sensitivity to it. People are so sensitive to defend wearing it rather than this not showing, you know, the, where's the lack of, where's the sensitivity for the appropriation of these cultures that, you know, that may offend these people. You know, there, there may be some native people that it doesn't offend. They're so used to it and numb to it and they've grown up here and the generations have passed where it's not really offensive to them. That's not really the point. Um, people are so quick to gripe and bitch and complain about, you know, not being able to wear a hairdress to a Chiefs game. That's, to me, it's just, I get it, man. If you're, you're a fanatic and you think you don't think much of it, it doesn't offend you, that's fine. But it does offend and it does, you know, uh, rub some people of those cultures the wrong way. Um, and I just think we need to, we, us as Americans just need to shut up and just show some respect, get over it, stop complaining about everything, stop running to social media to complain about it and talk about your rights as a citizen and, you know, it's just, honestly, it's just wasted energy. It's something that should be taken care of. It's something that we do need to, uh, you know, tap in and, and be a little mindful for other people that, you know, that we don't understand may or may not affect. Uh, it's like I said, it's just, people are so sensitive to this and complaining about this. I've seen countless, so much people complaining about it on my feed. It's just, I just don't, I don't think it's a big deal. It changes nothing for me as a fan. If it, it, even if I was one of those people that was wearing a headdress every week to a cheese game. I, I think we would have stopped off. you by now, Trev. I think someone would have been like, this ain't it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I, I, if I was one of those people that wore a headdress every week to every game, I can take it off and enjoy the game just as much. It does, it does me no harm. I, I mean, I, I come home to a roof over my head, and I'm going to sleep in my bed just fine. I don't, it doesn't do anything for me. It doesn't change my love for this team anymore. Like I've like I said before on the show, they can change the goddamn name of this team. They can change the team colors. I'll have throwback shit to look back on. It doesn't matter. This is my Kansas City team. This is where I grew up. This is who I'm going to cheer for. All I care about is the players that are on the field that I love and enjoy to watch every single week, regardless of what whatever is on top of my head. It doesn't matter, right? So this is just a minuscule thing that's being blown way out of proportion, and everyone's so caught up in their feelings right now because everyone's home. This COVID shit's going on. Trust me, I know. Uh, so everyone's just on their on their soapbox right now, and it's uh, we're gonna forget about this shit pretty soon, and it's not gonna matter. Uh, Lance, you want to add anything or? Uh, just to echo the sentiments that I uh, discussed earlier in the show to start everything off, which was very important to me to do. Um, and, and at the beginning of the show, if anybody that listens to the podcast side of things, um, you'll hear uh, the story from, I believe, Fox 4 with Connie Joe Gillespie, one of the sweetest old ladies I've ever known in my entire life and a lifelong Chiefs fan and a Native American, more importantly, uh, express in great detail um, just how important this is to her and her heritage and her people and 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 why this is something that we have to uh, Eddie you and I discussed this earlier today it's even if you have been participating in those in those um I want to say traditions of traditions and you didn't mean to offend or if you didn't know it would offend or if you didn't know that it was a, a form of mockery or uh, a cultural appropriation that doesn't change the fact that it's still those things just because you don't think that you're doing anything wrong, you meant to hurt anybody, doesn't mean that you aren't hurting anybody. And just because a, a certain minority of a, more, a minority amount of Native Americans may not see the problem themselves, doesn't mean that they speak for the majority of the Native American people. 
And that's because there are many Native American people out there that do not stand in support uh, of these customs being presented at Chiefs games or at well, in, or in Washington. I'll, Go ahead. Yeah, and I'll say this too: the, the the appropriation thing gets thrown around a lot, and a lot of people don't even know what the hell they're even talking about when they say it. Right? It's what we're doing. And you may not you may not find it offensive, and that's fine. What we're doing is when we wear the headdresses. Head, head to these Chiefs games to cheer for a football team, we're, a lot of us folks are not understanding that, that we're making a caricature out of real life cultures that are meaningful and deep and rooted into these people's lives and their grandparents' lives and their great grandparents' lives that helped build, you know, what their culture is. And we're making a caricature out of that. Imagine that's when it becomes uh, offensive. Imagine, and I, and I spoke to somebody earlier today about this that was asked, that was texting me about this. They didn't see it from my perspective, so I said I painted a picture for him. I said, imagine we go back a few hundred years ago, and we have a race of people that come here, take our land, kill our families, spread diseases, and just completely and enslave us, right? And then in a few hundred years, we skip forward. We go to a sporting event of any type, and we see those same people, their 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 uh, descendants, um, use our family's traditions and our family's culture as a form of entertainment and make light of it, and make jest of it, and use us as a caricature. I have a hard time believing that any of us are sitting here going, "Yep, that's cool with me." Dressed because up like it, a bunch of pilgrims. Yeah, because as as as, as yeah, like weird ass we outfits. Are, like, could you get like a better like cultural? like appropriation outfit like come on guys you guys look creepy well, as hell the problem is cultural appropriation is entrenched in our culture yes 100 mm-hmm. percent agree so america had, america had no culture of its own it's so adapted. we just dress like that on our own accord Dude, white people struggle right. to season their food. Like, right, I mean, like, that, that, we're still out here with people who don't put salt and pepper on their chicken breast because it might be too spicy. So, we gotta learn from that. Yeah. So, I, like Trevor said, Trevor nailed it. Um, it does not change anything. We're gonna still enjoy the shit out of this football team. We're gonna still love this team. I, I love the comments when I see people say, "Oh, that's it. I'm done." No, you're not. Yeah. Quit lying. <laughs> Quit lying. Like that's what that's, what that's what it pushed you to. Yeah. Like you have to also ask. That's what it took. Yeah, like you. you needed this for you to be like, oh my goodness. Yeah. Like because within any population of any sport of any like group, if you have more than ten people, chances are. Of those 10 people, one of them have like done something that you're not morally okay with. Absolutely. And you just have to pick yeah, up. If, if this is something that you're really troubled about and worried about and it's really ruining your mood and your life, yeah, you got it good. I yeah. If, yeah. If, if, culture, if banning cultural appropriation <laughs> is what gets you to stop watching sports, your issue is you. Your issue is you. There's something Absolutely. inside you that is not right. Also, we have from the comments, uh, people like it when you get upset, Lance, because your necklaces jingle. They start jingling? Like, yeah. yeah. I, I, that, I can, no, it's I like, no, it's the ne- it, it's just the necklace. It's not you shimmying. <laughs> like, you don't need to know. That's not it. So they're a fan of the jingle. The it's Because it's anonymous on Periscope. It just says, we like it when Lance gets mad. The necklaces jingle. <laughs> and I'm like, all right. I feel like I need to share this information. So there you guys go. <laughs> Thank you so much, uh, anonymous. I appreciate appreciate that I'll, I'll make sure and uh, jingle plenty <laughs> all right next question tom brenneman is facing backlash for the homophobic comment on live tv he has since been suspended do you think that's a fair punishment for or a, you know for what was said on live tv 
Look, man, uh, what he said, Tom, let me first, let me preface this by saying Tom right. Brunneman is an absolute legend in his field. Uh, his father, a lot like, his situation is a lot like uh, Joe Buck and Jack Buck, uh, where he's a successor to his father. Uh, uh, Tom Brunneman's father was a longtime Cincinnati Reds play-by-play uh, uh, -play caller, and then Tom uh, succeeded his father, and he calls a lot of games for Fox football as well during the fall season. So he's well known, and everybody knows him, and, and he's had great stories. Everyone's come out and defended him about being such a good guy. And, and I'm not going to sit here and try to say he's some terrible human being. But what he said was absolutely inexcusable, and I don't think we even need to address that. What I want to address is what a lot of people are defending. It's the fact that they're pleading ignorance for Tom, and even Tom has come out afterwards try to plead ignorance himself. And that's where I have a problem because that narrative to me is bullshit. Because if you've listened to it, and I imagine the majority of all of you out there that are watching or listening have heard it at least once. And I challenge you if, you, if you didn't catch it, to go listen to it again. Because the way the man said it is the, the reason I have the biggest problem. What he said was horrible and it should never be said, period. But it's how he said it that I have a problem because it's too smooth. The tone is too familiar. It's too yeah. normal in his voice. For me to believe that this was some slip up, that this was some mistake, that was not a mistake. The only mistake is that he said it while it was being recorded, that it was caught, that it was a hot mic. Because had that hot mic never happened, we don't have him coming out of his guilty conscience saying, hey guys, I just want to let you know, even though it wasn't caught, I did slip up and I want to be a man of my integrity and my man of my faith and say these things to you guys and let you know that I slipped up and I should have never said it. That would never have happened. He's apologetic and he's sorry because he got caught. That's the truth of it all. Again, I don't want to discredit his character as a man in totality, but you cannot sit here and try to convince me that that was some oopsie because we've been doing this show now for a year and almost, almost two years we've been doing this show. Trevor, Eddie, myself, Gat, anybody that's been on the show has never done an oopsie with something like that. Not saying mistakes can't be made. That's not a mistake. So is it an adequate punishment? I'm going to let that be a decision that's made by the people who, like he said himself, write his paycheck. Personally, if I was in the position, the dude would never be on my radio waves or my airwaves ever again. Because I can't let something like that ever be justified or condoned in this time in this place when we have an opportunity to really make a lot of things right in our society and i think that's a, that's a, a first step for for fox and for the cincinnati reds as a whole absolutely uh, i have a friend that was specifically sexually harassed by that dude and his privilege was oh, wow. so mind-blowing to be like well don't you know who i am wow like this is but it was it, it's the mentality and like i know i say like women in sports media it's not just every woman in sports media it's everyone walking the face of this earth because if he doesn't respect a woman he doesn't respect another man absolutely because of his sexual preferences or whatever he's not going to respect anyone else and that apology was the weirdest apology yeah. home run call of all time <laughs> right. like and, and i know that we can't make light of these situations but at the same time like what more thing 2020 could you possibly imagine than having to give a full-blown apology 
and also feel the need to call a home run right in the middle of it. And yeah, homie made history, but like also made history in other way. It was just so uncomfortable. The whole thing was just like, maybe don't be a bigot and don't be an ignorant asshole. And then it wouldn't catch up to you where you're not getting fired on air. Like the number one way to not get fired on air is to not do shit to get fired on air. So anyone that's like, oh God, I feel so sorry. Cancel culture. No, it's not that. It's keep your stupid, bigoted thoughts yourself culture. Absolutely. I feel like it shouldn't have to be explained. Yeah, I'm glad you said that because I was just going to say that this guy's track record has been pretty clean as far as his professional career. Right. But I don't mean, I, yeah, I mean, who knows what's going on behind closed doors with no a lot of these guys. So the self entitlement of, do you know who I am and have, you know, the ball to even say shit like that. Pretty embarrassing and disgusting. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, I do. I think he should lose his job. I don't know. Um, like I said, as a professional as a broadcaster, he's one of the greats. And he said, like I said, he's had a pretty clean slate as far as what we've known in the public. Um, so I don't know. I mean, if he if he has to choose another network to work with, that may be the solution. Uh, if someone, if anyone else wants to pick him up in times like this right now, it may not be the easiest thing for him to go just do that. Um, I, I think he deserves any bit of discipline that anybody sends his way for how they feel about you know disciplining him. Um, it's warranted right now. Um, and I'm not one to infringe on anyone's um, freedom of speech, but when it becomes hate speech, you should be dealt with. The consequences should be dealt with because you said it. You had the freedom to say it. You didn't know you were saying it live, but you said it either way. And it was, came out, like Lance said, very easily, very second nature. Mm-hmm. Right? I'm, I'm a person. I'll say it right now. I'm a person who used to use that word, right, when I was younger and ignorant in, in, my, in my youth, more of my early 20s and so on. But what did I do? I started understanding it, that it was – you know, offensive to a lot of people. Well, I didn't use it in necessarily in the offensive way, but he was using it in the offensive way. Mm-hmm. That's, that's what makes it this even worse, you know, and I learned to, you know, refrain from using that word. It's out of my vocabulary now. If I can do that, why can these grown-ass, other grown-ass men not do that? Getting paid especially, to talk. Especially someone who talks for a living, right? And who, who knows about hot mics, someone that could that can be on before you realize it. It is irresponsible and it, quite frankly, just disgusting for someone of his ilk to be one of the greats, to just slip up like that. Um, yeah, he deserves anything that's coming his way for sure. I have a question just for you guys. Do you think it'd be more of a punishment to have to stay on air and have to go back and deal with what you've said and like literally broadcast those games from here on out? And, and instead of cancel culture, because everyone wants to know what's the opposite, what what is like the uh, like the right solution for all this stuff? Would you say that the right solution is to make people work through their uncomfortable feelings and like work through that? Because the easy thing to do is just say, yeah, I screwed up. I got to go by and go into hiding because to me, that's like a not cowardly way to go out. But like it kind of is because you get like you don't have to deal with what you said on air. You just have to deal with people talking about you and you can tune it out. But what I think would be even more reputable is for someone to be like, look, I'm going to deal with my mistakes in real time and you guys are going to get to see it. What do you guys think? Um. Yeah, you make you make a, a a good point in that regard. Um, the only thing I would say, in a pushback form, if you will, is the fact that I I also I feel like th- this these types of situations can be used as examples for future mistakes or not mistakes, but people that want to use those types of uh, words in their vocab vocab, like Trevor said uh, that he used mm-hmm. to struggle with. I feel as if if you give them their platform back. After something like this, and I know there's a fine line between cancel culture and and suffering the consequences adequately, so I understand what you're saying in that. 
I feel as if you give them their platform back, I don't know if there's a true lesson learned. Even if they do learn it internally, I think externally it doesn't be it isn't perceived that way. And if we're being honest here, perception is a lot of what what is important in this regard because these these networks know the sensitivity level. And if they allow this guy back on that platform after something like this, I, I can't imagine that everyone's going to accept that and say, well, he probably learned his lesson because in, in, in the end of the day, he didn't really suffer any true punishment because at the end of the day, he did get his gig back. So I think if anything, if we're going to play devil's advocate here just for a little bit, for sure. I think he needs to work his way back. I'm not saying that he should never get a job in radio mm -hmm. or in sports ever again, because I do believe in second chances. As shitty as it is, I do believe he deserves to get another shot. But I also, at the same time, think he needs to suffer some sort of consequence. And I think it's him being knocked down a peg. I think he needs to go and call some high school games again. I think he needs to go and, you know, work his way back into the respect of people. Because that's what it is. He needs to earn the respect again. And if he ever can get that respect again. There have been other people throughout the generations in time, like Don Imus. A legend in sports radio. When he called the, uh, I forget what team it was, I think it was a Texas team, that he called them nappy-headed hoes. Mm -hmm. He never got his job back. And this man, again, was one of the founding fathers in sports right. entertainment on the radio. So if he can't get his gig back, I can't imagine Tom Brenneman is just going to walk right back into it. So I get where you're coming from. Right. And I do believe that walking the the shame as the bells are going off Absolutely. like Game of Thrones did is Absolutely. a way of doing it. But is he actually going to learn his lesson when he knows at the end of the day he's getting his paycheck and he yeah. still keeps his platform? Because a lot of imagine. people do serve that. They sure. serve the paycheck and that's it. Yeah. Trev, do you have anything yeah, to add to that? Uh, yeah, yeah. I'll use a local example, a recently local example. Ooh, oh, boy. It. I already know what it Let's is. do it. Yeah, yeah. When voicemail. got the axe. When Keaton got the axe, mm -hmm. what did we all say? How did we all feel? We took a deep breath and finally, right? Because the guy had numerous strikes against him. So, I mean, when, when, you're, when, you're, when you do that for a living, there's no, no reason I want that guy to be collecting money right now and just moving on and we'll take a little slap on the wrist. I mean, I know he's a legendary guy and he does his thing, but there's no reason this guy should be collecting a paycheck after saying that that loosely. Um, I don't, I don't know the type that's going to say, oh, you know, cancel him. You know, I think he should get another shot. Because like, I don't think his track record's that bad as far as anything he's ever done or like that before. Um, we've seen other guys bounce back, and you know, um, we've seen other guys like even you know the likes of like Jim Rome and mm -hmm. big time guys like Colin Coward say some racy things that got them fired, but they ended up making you know making up for it elsewhere. So I mean, that could be something that possibly happens for him too. Um, but yeah, I don't think he should be getting rewarded and continue to work after saying something like that. So. Um, yeah, that's pretty much how I feel about it. I just, I, the, Keatsman, the Keatsman thing kind of came to my mind. You know, we Absolutely. all were like, well, he even said finally, you know. So And even, but this guy doesn't even have, you know, Brennan doesn't have the track record that shit that he said like, like, yeah, you know, like Keatsman has. So I definitely think some some discipline should be dealt with or put on him. So, yeah, that's how I feel about it. Sorry to hijack your hour, Eddie. Oh, you're fine. <laughs> I got one, one last question and... This question is going to trigger Len, so uh, be ready. I'm with ready. The... I got you. Eddie, I got Eddie you. Eddie went into the end this time. Oh, okay. oh hey. yes. We're waiting <laughs> on it. Let's trigger, uh, trigger Len. Uh, here we go. So Tati Jr. Uh, a few days ago hit a, a Grand Slam home run. Uh, he was in a 3-0 count, and obviously in the next pitch, we know what happens. He hits the home run. Uh, Texas Rangers, uh, the the manager and some of the players are pissed off because uh, I guess his uh, 
his team has signaled Tatis to take the pitch. Uh, so, and obviously he didn't. Uh, so, my question is, I want to hear your thoughts on this so-called MLB unwritten rules. Unwritten rules in baseball are absolute bullshit. Okay. I played baseball my entire life. Okay. And I know the ins and outs of this game. I, I can't say the same about other sports. Uh, I, I didn't play at the level that I did in baseball. I played at a decent level in baseball. And I'm telling you right now, baseball is full of pussies. They're full. It's, it's full of a sport. It's a sport of hurt feelings. Straight up. Because... And I've seen this my entire life, from from high school level all the way to the pro level, where guys are more concerned and more upset about other people's successes on their behalf rather than them stopping them. There are endless examples, and Fernando Tatis, who, by the way, is the best player in baseball right now, even over Mike Trout, by the way, who's leading in almost every single statistical category on the, on the offensive side, decides, which by the way, Tatis is a successor to his father. We're talking about Brenneman and Buck and all these other guys. Fernando Tatis Jr., remember that. His father was a longtime baseball player in the majors as well. So if anybody knows the unwritten rules of baseball would be a successor. And he still went out there and decided, you know what? I'm going to have fun playing a kid's game because that's what this is. And every other sport... In America, I'll leave it there. We can go international, but I'll keep it right here at home. We celebrate when guys get pumped. When LeBron James gets an and one dunk, he's pumping his fist. He's hitting his biceps, and everyone's gone crazy, and we're eating it up. When it comes to football, and Patty Mahomes throws a 50-yard bomb touchdown, what's he doing? He's acting like he's taking a fadeaway jumper. He's, he's strutting his stuff, and we're all eating that shit up. But for some reason, in baseball, it's frowned upon to have passion, to have personality, to have zeal, to have ambition, to want to show and give the fans something. Fernando Tatis, let me, let me ask you a question. If Fernando Tatis would have taken that pitch, and it's 3-1, is he allowed to swing then? How about we flip it? Let's say... Nope. Let's say the pitching side of things, they were whooping that ass. Let's say the Padres were down seven, eight runs. Is the pitcher not allowed to try to strike a guy out? Like, where does this end? Where do we draw the lines? That's the point. That's the reason why these are called unwritten rules, because they're too stupid to be written down. I understand that we don't want to be stealing bases when you're up 11, 12, 11, 12 runs. That's kind of douchey. But what isn't douchey is playing the game. And that's what Fernando Tatis Jr. was doing. He was playing the game. And I got more to say about that in a few minutes when we go to hold this L. Trust me when I say, I got more to say, but I'm going to let my brother have his time in this because I can keep going about this shit. But in a nutshell, Eddie, it's bullshit. Because baseball players are so fucking in their feelings about not getting shown up as opposed to stopping the guy. It's unbelievable, it's unacceptable, and for some fucking reason, it's okay for baseball players to be this way, but in no other professional sport do they give two fucks about having some fucking personality. It's unbelievable. Yeah. Um. <laughs> Absolutely, Lance. Uh, how the fuck do you follow uh, that? How do you, how do you ahead, follow that? Yeah, no, like, I, both, Eddie and I are just like... Maybe we should have some unwritten rules on the spoken. Uh, right? here's an unwritten I don't get rule. so triggered. Yeah. No, we, we put so many gifts over your face, and I am so sorry. At one point, I accidentally put the logo over my face, and I was like, both like, oh, my God. 
that's so real though because that's real emotion because what i think trev probably agrees with this when you show emotion in sport like my favorite thing about any sport is defense and then also bat flips i love bat flips more than most people Amen. should like bat flips but i want to see the attitude i grew up the attitude era wrestling you know like i want to see that like if you provoke an emotion out of me i don't care what it is like i want to see whatever that is everyone loves triggered lance they're all capitalizing on this liberal baseball tears that's another one that's beautiful oh <laughs> uh, i love that but trev what do you think no, I mean, uh, if we're gonna go keep going on with the, the, the you know, the cancel Lance culture, can we, can we cancel? Can we cancel these unwritten rules? That's there true. We go. There yeah. we go. That's the question I'm here for. Yeah, and I, you you totally stole my thunder when you talked about how the unwritten rules are the unwritten rules because they're so stupid they were never important enough to be written down. Like that's okay. Like who cares about the unwritten <laughs> rule? This is why I hate baseball sometimes, man. They they continually find ways to take the fun out of it. If you're winning, enjoy winning. Win some more run it up. That's the only thing that's going to keep me interested in baseball. I like watching home runs. You know what I mean? Like, I like watching hockey. I like watching hockey. I like watching the guys fight during hockey games. That's like power fun. plays. What's that? That, yeah, that helps the viewings. That helps the ratings. That helps all. I mean, if you've got a star, let them shine. Baseball doesn't have a lot of stars, let alone a lot of young stars that are up and coming. So let him be himself and make a name for himself. Stop with the PR madness. Stop with the hurt feelings. It's ridiculous. Baseball, if it doesn't watch out, baseball is going to become an outdated sport. And people are going to lose interest in it, and they're going to lose prospects, especially in the U.S., because in the U.S. we love our entertainment, and you're stealing the entertainment from us. Stop it. That's all I got. Trevor said it in the professional canned version of what I was trying to say. I just can't allow myself to calm the fuck down when it comes to unwritten rules and it comes to baseball. <laughs> I just can't do it, man. It, it sets me off because it's like the experiences come back. Yeah. And I remember what it was like to even hear it from coaches back in high school when you have a five-run lead and I crank a home run and they're pissed off because they think that I'm trying to show up the other team. No, Flip man. It's your job to stop me, not right. the other way around, asshole. It's my yeah. job to beat you. And, and if, if we're going to sit here and talk about unwritten rules and we got to honor these teams and all this other stuff, then we need a mercy rule in baseball. If, if I'm up and if I'm up seven runs after the seventh inning and you guys are so concerned about not getting shown up, let's do a mercy rule and yeah. end the game. Because we're all bored. You know let's what I'm saying? Real. Yeah, because if <laughs> no, we're not no, allowed no. to fl flip bats and grand slams, the then fuck it. Just mercy rule it. Yeah. How about that? Yeah. No, I've seen paint dry. That's more exciting than <laughs> some of that shit. Like Eddie, that's 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 one hell of an Eddie hour, my guy. We've we've been Thank missing you. that. You, you are. He's like, I know I'm the backbone yeah, yeah. of the show. Like, look at him. Look at him. Bat. Look how humble he is. Eddie should flip his bat. There's no unwritten rules here, man. You, you should flip your bat, you know, stare it down, do whatever the fuck you want to do. There you go. You hit it out of the park with that Eddie hour, man. We're going to take a quick break. When we get back, we're getting to you guys. We're getting to the Monday mailbag. What you guys have for us, we're going to get to. So we will get to that after this.
Mail time. Mail time. Mail time. The mail's mail here. Time. I can't believe I get to sing this song. Here's the mail. It never fails. It makes me wanna wag my tail. When it comes, I wanna will. Mail's here. Mail's here. It is time for the Monday Mailbag. Each and every week, what we like to do is we like to give you guys the opportunity to essentially take over an entire segment of our show, which I think, honestly, has been a great great addition to the show since we've been doing this. And each and every week, what we like to do is give you guys the opportunity to give us what you are wanting to talk about, the discussions, the debates, the topics, the posts, everything that you guys have that's been burning inside of you all week long in the world of sports. You bring it to us, and we try to handle it here on the show. So let's not waste any more of your guys' time, and let's get to Eddie. Eddie, what is in the Monday mailbag this week? All right. First question comes from Brian Herbert. His uh, his question is, which of the old head QBs has the best stati- statistical season this year? Big Ben, Philip Phillips uh, Crimea River, Drew Brees, or Tom Brady? This is a really good question. I am... I'm torn up on this one because I feel like all of them are going to have pretty decent seasons. I'm going to say statistically, it's. I'm going to say I'm going to I'm going to say Drew Brees. I'm going to say Drew Brees because I think his his, percent, his completion percentage is going to be high. He's going to have at least twenty five to thirty touchdowns, and I think he's going to have around four thousand yards. I'm gonna, I'm going to say with all of it combined in a vacuum, Drew Brees is going to have the better numbers. Yeah, I, I think I'm leaning that way. I'm just thinking about the offensive schemes for all these guys, too, because Phillip Rivers is going to be in a run-heavy offense. Um, they're, gonna, they're not going to want him to throw too much, um, even though I think he's going to be a highly, way more efficient than he's been in some years. Uh, it's a really well-coached team. Um, Big, ben can, Big Ben always gives his numbers, too, but he's, he's not always the most efficient because Drew Brees' efficiency is just going to outshine him by far. And I'm just not a believer in Tom Brady this year. I think he's got a lot of pieces, but I don't think he's going to have – I think he's getting a little overhyped right now. Um, people, we got people on – we got Rob Gronkowski coming out talking about he thinks Tom Brady's arms better than ever. Uh, no, I don't believe that. Um, yeah, I'm going to have to go with Drew Reese too. I think he's, he's just so consistent. He's gonna, if his numbers are what they were last year, they're going to be better than everybody else's. Um, yeah, so the, 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 he, he throws a lot of short passes, you know, to guys that get a lot of yaks. So his yard's going to rack up. He's, he always throws a lot of touchdowns. Um, you know, he's got a, a legitimate receiver running back, too, and Kamara, who I think is going to have a really good year this year, bounce back a little bit than he did last year. Um, yeah, so I'm going Drew Brees as well. All right. Next question, um, Brian Herbert again. Uh, what young player makes the most impact in the NBA playoffs and becomes a star moving forward? Uh, five-year career or less? I'm sorry. Ask, ask that question one more time. I, I don't so, think I fully understood uh, it. Okay. So what young player makes the most impact in the NBA playoffs and becomes a star moving forward uh, with a five-year uh, experience or less? Oh, Luka Doncic. Uh, I, don't, I don't think there's any question at this point. I think the Jason Tatum, like I said, I think Devin Booker, I think there's a lot of young, promising stars in the league that we can absolutely praise. None of them are better at basketball than Luka Doncic. So I think this is an easy, pun intended, slam dunk question or answer. It's Luka Doncic. Yeah, I'm going with the guy that scored 70-plus points in his first two ever playoff games against the Clippers. Against two of the best, one of the best defenses in the league and the two best wing guards who were supposedly supposed to be guarding him 
he's still putting up 70 plus points in his first two games, and he's damn near averaging a triple double already in the postseason. Yeah, I'm going with Luca. It's easy for me. Donovan Mitchell's close, but I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with Luca. Yeah, but Donovan, I mean, this is, for me, it's Luca's first shot at, and he's yeah. already showing out. Right. That's the craziest part to me. So. All right. Uh, he gives his uh, his own take, and he says Michael Porter Jr. Well, hey, Michael Porter. Said, Michael Porter's got a ceiling, man, and he, it's KD. So I, I'm I'm with you on that. I think Porter's got a future. It's just his injury concerns. Yeah, but he's not. He's the, he's the third best guy on his team right now. That's so fair. Chill with that. All right, All right. Uh, Brian again. Uh, which team has a better record this year, the Browns or the Cardinals? Does either one make the playoffs? Ah, see, Brian's trying to be. Slick trying to get ahead of the game. He's trying to be slick with this one. I'm going to respectfully decline this question because in just a couple weeks, man, we got our prediction show. I have a rule here. I know I broke it with the Patriots, and I said they're going to suck, so I'll give you that. You really did. I'm going to reinforce the fact that I think the Patriots are going to suck this year, Brian. But as far as these other two teams, I can't <laughs> give you that yet, man. So you can't do this because fans. the little so fucking the weird people that have nothing else to do <laughs> fucking find my Instagram. They got my my favorite thirst trap <laughs> of all time. I'm not joking. Like my most proud thirst trap, the one that my mom was the most afraid of and most disturbed by, was my proudest moment. And they got it taken down because the Patriots fans that found this show on YouTube reported it enough. And I'm like, that was my livelihood. That was my, that's it. That's all I had was that thirst trap. Like Trev understands, like that's all I got. And then that guy was like, Ooh, look at my magic hands. And I'm like, I can't do this. Like it was ridiculous, but Eddie gets it. Eddie wasn't here to be a victim of it, but that's fine. Eddie, maybe, maybe Eddie is actually the Patriots troll. And whenever Eddie doesn't get enough attention on Eddie hour or Monday mailbag, he just acts like I that. Try. I try to look the, uh, for the attention any, any way I can get it. <laughs> All right. Next question. Uh, Brian again. Uh, it's thoughts a, it's on the Brian th- hour. Brian right. Herber is, uh, that was the original first time fan like five weeks ago. Yeah. And now he's yeah. all he's over the Monday mailbag. I, I dig know. it. I love dig it. it. His, uh, his question is thoughts on Daryl. Don't call me Daryl Williams. <laughs> I think he's way ahead of Allegretti and will be our swing interior lineman this year. What? Like Dimebag Daryl? Uh, uh, are we talking about Daryl Williams as the running back? <laughs> Got a lot of questions over here. I, he said, thoughts on Daryl. Don't call me Daryl Williams. I think he's I think he's way ahead of Allegretti and will be our swing interior lineman this year. I don't I don't know. Well, unless unless Daryl Williams decided to eat fudge and ice cream for <laughs> Every meal, I can't imagine he's going to gain 90 pounds. Daryl Williams, the O-line men. Okay, so yeah. the other Daryl Williams. Okay, the okay, other, not, like, literally the other Daryl. Yeah, he's a not guard. Darryl. Yeah. <laughs> the other, like, context, okay. Tone and context no, matters, Donnie, we get it. Thank you. You don't need to Not keep bad. all caps. No, no, you're it's good. all catching up. <laughs> uh, and Brian offered no clarification. He just says champ shit only. That's all he said. <laughs> uh, no clarification. Well, Donnie oh, actually well, gave us the clarification. This? How about this? Because we have such limited film on both these guys, how about we just take Brian's word on this? Because Absolutely. It, the guess is as good as mine. We have no idea what Allegretti or don't call me Daryl or Darrell Williams is going to give us to this Don't point. call me Chris. Yeah, call, yeah. yeah, it's Ryan, not Ryan. You know, like we don't know what we're getting out of either one of these guys. So let's – I'm going to go ahead and say, you know what? I'm going to go with your instinct, Brian. I'm going to go with your instinct. Can I call one. him Dimebag Daryl or probably not? <laughs> I'm just going to say yes. <laughs> Thank you, Trev. Thank you. <laughs> Best answer so far. 
Yeah. All right. <laughs> uh, Eddie, we have another question. What is that What's flag up? in your room, Eddie Ortiz? And I said it's a Metskin Nationalist flag. Ooh. So is that Chelsea? Oh, no, I'm no, that is uh, that is that is Club America from Liga MX uh, soccer league in Mexico. So it's a professional soccer team, uh, mm-hmm. one of the most well-known teams uh, in Mexico. So that's who I root for. So, so it is the oh, national team, but different. It is not the national team. Damn that it! Is... I was so close. That is not the Mexican flag, so <laughs> therefore it is not the national team. Thank you for the clarification. <laughs> back to back to the Monday mailbag. Uh, back to the Monday mailbag. All right. Next question comes from uh, Brian. Oh, this is last question, I think. Are we sure? Uh, He's the new Donny Couch. I don't know. I have to. I mean, once we go down, Donny's we'll... slacking over here. All right. So it says. So with all the political stuff going on with the POTUS and the USPS. Is Monday mailbag gonna be affected? Oh no, we we persevere. <laughs> I like the question. I love I love the question, oh, but trust me when I say nobody in office <laughs> is gonna disrupt the mailbag. We have a delivery service it's that huge. is elite. We it's cannot huge. be canceled. We cannot be canceled as long as we don't say no. stupid ass words on this on this show and this. Program. And even if you guys do, I'll back it up. Fair right? enough. So KCPN will have their back. We'll get, if we'll get spoken, gets we'll canceled. We delay, got you. You know, like a five second delay where you just dump it. No, mm-hmm. but. No, man, it, it, <laughs> that's a good question. But no, we're 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 gonna stay true to uh, to the form here, no matter who's in office. Trust me when I say. All right, uh, next question comes from Oh Donny Couch. There he is. There Donny. There he is. Hey guys, and the two backbones of the show, Lance and Eddie. Trevor is just there. Uh, <laughs> I'll meet you in the back after this. Seeing what that's really about. It says. <laughs> Could you guys, could you guys, could you? Donnie, my guy. All right. His question is, could you guys rank the top 10 centers in NBA history? I hope this doesn't get heated. Okay. I think. Also, also, before you guys get to talking, I have two caveats. He told us to shut up, basically. He basically did. (laughs) Shut up and listen. Number one, Tim Duncan doesn't count. Number two, Magic Johnson playing center in the finals doesn't count. Oh, Go. I'm relieved because I was going to definitely put him <laughs> in the top exactly. 10 centers. <laughs> That's where Lance was going to go immediately. Look, uh, I mean, I, I think I tried this one last week, so I'm going to give Trevor the platform on this one. Uh, we, we live in a, a positionless sport now in basketball, so it's really hard to clarify. But back in the day, there was guys that were just straight up center. So Trevor... Uh, feel free to, to, to take a stab at this one because I tried last week and I pretty much just named all the most the greatest guys of all time. I put David Robinson there, though. I did say he's undervalued and underrated. Yeah, absolutely, David Robinson. The Admiral Bull is up there. Um, I don't know if I'm going to go top ten because that, it just starts getting – the bottom five of that top ten list just starts to get a little, you know, opinionated and it doesn't really matter too much. Uh, my top five, I mean, Shaq obviously is the apex of all centers. In my mind, I think he's the most dominant center to ever play the game. Uh, I'll go Kareem second, um, Hakeem third. Um, I'll probably go David Robinson there after that. Wilt Chamberlain. Is that five? Is that already five? I yeah, it's five. five. And then obviously, I mean, you got Patrick Ewing is one of the best defensive centers ever. Moses Malone. Uh, I mean, you can't not say Bill Russell, but you can choose not to say Bill Russell if you don't want to. I ain't saying Bill I Russell. I mean, you could just not say That's why he's one of the most successful. Um, yeah, I'm probably just going to stop there. I, I, I do 
I think there's a lot of young centers in the league, the league today that are going to statistically outshine a lot of the guys of, of old just because of the, the versatility of a lot of centers nowadays um, with the three ball on the assists and, you know, the do-it-all bigs that we have in the league today. Um, but, yeah. Since Donnie's asked this question twice, I, I would like to get him, if he's listening or if he sees this, to give us his 10 because he still hasn't provided that. So I, w- I would love to to know what Donnie's list is because, like I said, this is a back-to-back type of question. Mm-hmm. So. He's got to give me some. The top, the top three, I don't think, are debatable. I mean, with Shaq, Kareem, and, 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 and um, Hakeem Olajuwon. Those, those, I think those should be the unanimous top three all time. I agree with you. Yeah. All right, next question. Uh, Donnie again. Uh, could we see again this year where uh, the defense gets 13 sacks as a unit? Ah. Uh, Oof, that's a lot. That's of a lot of sacks, man. Uh, that's a lot of sacks. Yeah. That's <laughs> – that would, break, that would break the record, right? Donnie's with the dang Lance talked for ten minutes straight about Wilt's sex life. I'm surprised Trevor didn't bring it up. <laughs> well, his That's body count was a myth, so that. we don't even have to address that. Boom. Given. Boom. I have my own sex life to worry about. Damn. 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 Donnie's next question: How's your sex life, Trevor? No. Could I see it? I I hate to be the downer, but no. That's. I mean, you're talking about an otherworldly type of game from your defense. I, I, I don't see it. No, I'm going to, I'm going to go with the no, but I, I would love to be proven wrong. If the chiefs can rack up 13 plus sacks in a game, then we're going to give Donnie a spot in the show for a week. I mean, straight up. Cause that's just, that's a tough one to pull off, man. Yeah. The odds of that happening are not in our favor or anyone's favor really. Cause that's just kind of a, an outlier type thing that doesn't happen very often. And I don't think our D de- I mean, I think our defense is going to be really, really good, but it's, I don't think it's gonna be an all-time great defense. If I'm just being honest, um, but yeah, that's that's some like yeah, that's all-time stuff. I just don't. I don't think that's really the focus either. Too. I think we're yeah. I just I'm gonna go with no as well. Donnie's come in with number one Shaq, number two Wilt, three Kareem, four Hakeem, five Bill Russell. Uh, Donnie and I, I have to have a conversation. I can't Bill Russell on top five. Yeah. Donnie's, Donnie and I are going to have to have a conversation because under no circumstances should Bill Russell ever be in the top five of anything except maybe the most overrated players. Well, of good all news because he literally said in parentheses, never watch Russell, just had to mention him. Well, none of, none of us did. <laughs> play seven well, no, because none of us are 94 years old. <laughs> yeah, <right>. However, <laughs> however. Well, Bill, Russell, Bill Russell was the most successful player in NBA history, but Bill Russell also played in an era where eight teams were in the entire league. Uh, for nine, white dudes with Chuck. Yeah, for his first nine seasons, there was only eight teams or six teams at first. Mm-hmm. Then it went to eight. Then it went to ten. Right. And then he retired. And if you win one playoff round, you're in the finals. So the eleven championships is totally skewed. Second of all, Absolutely. despite playing against my local mailman, uh, and I'm not talking about Carl Malone. I'm talking about the six, the five foot six white guy that that gives me my mail every the literal night. Literal mailman. Yeah, literal mailman. Bill Russell only averaged fifteen points a game in his career. That's absurd. He never averaged 20 points a game in a season. That's absurd, too. So I'm sorry. I'll respect the Bill. Uh, he's maybe the most overrated player of all time. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, to me, although Shaq was the most dominant center of all time, Kareem is the best player to ever play that position because Kareem is arguably the second greatest player of all time. So naturally, yeah. he's got to be up there in the top two centers of all time. So I'm going to have to push back on the Wilt Chamberlain stuff because Wilt also succeeded in, a, in an era where there was only a select few of guys that even stood in opposition to him. And like short shorts might have cut off their actual testosterone. <laughs> yeah, right. Like we don't know what short shorts have detrimentally done to the NBA. <laughs> 
Uh, number six or number five could also be changed to Carl Malone is Donnie's final he, word he on that. Forward. That's hard to that's hard to put him right. in the Moses Malone, don't don't disrespect his dad, man. Moses Malone was an absolute No, his absolute. dad, sure, but we're talking about him. So uh, Yeah, he, he was a power forward. Yeah, though. he, he played a... mostly power forward. He played on the block. Oh, there we go. I'll just zip right. my mouth on up. <laughs> <laughs> Next question. Next question comes from good old Donnie. Could we see a surprise receiver come up in the ranks and become the number six for the Chiefs like Jody Roster or Garrett Geeter? Uh, I, I think we're di- we're dipping a little too much on that one. I, I, look, Andy Reid is one of the coaches that loves to spread the ball around, so I do think that they're – and Kansas City, guys that are fringe players are going to get a little bit more love than other spots like uh, Demarcus Robinson. Uh, he would fall into the ether if he wasn't in Kansas City because he's just not great. But he gets a few touchdowns here and there. Um, but having said that, it's going to be really hard for any other guys outside of those names that we know as much as we do to, to really be getting any type of uh, uh, targets because of the fact there's just so many guys that Patrick Mahomes is going to be throwing the ball to. You're talking about Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill, McCole Hardman, Demarcus Robinson, Clyde Edwards-Alaire. I mean, that's a lot of mouths to feed. For, for you to add any more players into that equation, you're talking about somebody having a significant injury that's postponing their production uh, for weeks or if not the entire season for them to even be mentioned. So I, I find it hard pressed. I don't want to sound like Mr. Negative guy tonight, but I, I don't expect Garrett Dieter or any other names out there to rise up this season. Yeah, definitely not Garrett Dieter. Uh, this is the Byron Pringle argument. Um, I don't, I mean, I'm not going to just draw a name out of a hat and take a guess at you know, who I think is going to be. I don't really know. I think this, this offense is so deep as it is. Um, it's going to be hard enough getting everybody enough touches, you know, as the season goes on. So I think the guys that we know of are going to be the guys that are, are out there producing. I don't think there's going to, I don't, I'm not expecting any real surprises, honestly, from, from the receiver core. We already have our guys in place, I believe, but barring injury, I don't, I don't, I don't really know who would come in and fill in and, and you know, be a bright spot or a surprise. So I'm not, I'm, not, I'm just going to speak out of ignorance if I just throw a name out there. All right. Next question. Uh, it says from Donnie, he says he's asking this question on behalf of Billy Hodge. Uh, could Willie Gay Jr. become the next DJ? Uh, it depends on what way you're talking. Um, if, if we're talking uh, beloved chief, possibly. Uh, it's very hard to achieve the love uh, that Derek Johnson got from this fan base. I think on the talent side and performance side, absolutely. I think Willie Gay, in all aspects, is actually more talented than DJ. Um, I think that he has a chance to be the greatest linebacker that's ever wore a Chiefs uniform outside of Derek Johnson or Der- uh, Derek Thomas, who was an outside linebacker, so it's a little bit different. But, yes, I-, I do think he could become that next DJ. But there's just two different contexts to it. Um, it's going to be, like I said, more. I think it's going to be more of a challenge for Willie Gay to become a as beloved as DJ rather than becoming the player that DJ was. Because I actually, I could uh, don't be shocked if in nine, ten years from now, Willie Gay is the all-time Chiefs leading tackler. Just I'm just putting that out there now. So in 2028 or 2029, we're still sitting here in episode 1000, and we're talking about Willie Gay being becoming the all-time greatest uh, defensive player for the Chiefs. Don't be shocked. Yeah, I mean, it's going to take a whole lot of time for him to become beloved, like the legendary DJ in the city. Um, but as far as athlete, he's a better athlete. He's already a better athlete than DJ ever was. He's an athletically gifted kid here. Uh, DJ was just so technically sound and timely sound. He knew how to time when to, you know, 
to meet the running, how to meet the running back in the backfield. You know, he's very good at that. He's very good at finding the ball, stripping the ball. So if Willie Gay can become, you know, loved, I think he's already got the abilities. It's just building a legacy here is his, his objective with that, if you want to compare him to DJ. But he's already a better athlete than DJ was entering the draft. So he, his ability to, in coverage and stuff and his speed already has surpassed what DJ was. But he can only hope to become what DJ was for the city for sure. All right. Next question comes from Brian again, Brian Herbert. Uh, so, so without getting to the six titles that Jordan has, what would solidify or get LeBron closer to the overall GOAT status? Nothing. He's already the greatest player of all time. <laughs> that yeah, that was argue. a really easy question. Thank you, Brian. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. I mean, do we really want to do this right now? That's <laughs> Don't get you it. understand? Do you understand what you're doing with the twin wells here, buddy? <laughs> he knew what he was doing. Hey, guys, we uh, want to talk about how Michael Jordan's the greatest of all time. Please elaborate. <laughs> Don't do this. Don't do this. Guy. How many times did MJ lose in the first round? And we're going to, yeah, okay. I just want to really put up the triggered thing. Oh, there it is. Lance can't see it, but it's there. <laughs> and I'm not even triggered yet. He's not even triggered yet. I could yet is the key word. Travis Trevor Brian's is new. Triggered. Brian's still considered new. He's only he said he's been around for like five, six yeah, years. Yeah, he already knows. He already knows your buttons. He knows. Well done, Brian. Well done. I'm proud of you. Ask I'm Scotty proud Pippen, of you. who's the best overall player of all time. Ask Scotty Pippen. Scotty Pippen? Yeah. All right. He'll probably say his future, but you know. You know the guy that helped the guy that helped MJ get past his first uh, playoff. Serious? I just want to make really I just want to make jokes about Larsa Pippen cheating on Scotty with Future. Can I just do that? Ooh. Is that too soon? I think this is herbal tea. Oh, there we go. Anyways, let's get back Red to the Monday tea. mailbag. All right. So last question. We we'll go with uh, last question. We we'll go with last question. Uh, comes from Corey Austin. Uh, what do you make? Uh, what do you make uh, of all these Chiefs injuries early on in camp? Personally, I'm not too worried, but curious how y'all feel. Uh, I'm glad you, you asked. The, I'm glad you. I'm glad you asked the question. Uh, it's something we kind of touched on the second segment, but uh, on my end of this, I, I'm not overly concerned because Trevor actually nailed it on the head when he talked about the resiliency of this Chiefs team, and I can say that because they're not a completely different team from one year to the next. This is essentially the same exact team with the same exact coaching staff. So therefore, I'm going to give them the exact same credit and belief in the fact that no matter what they lose, which is literally any and everybody at one point this last season, uh, with Patrick Mahomes going down, the upper echelon of all upper echelons going down, the Chiefs still prevailed and won the damn Super Bowl. So it is a concern. You have to take it seriously, obviously. You have to acknowledge it. You can't ignore it. But the Chiefs are the team that, and of all teams in the NFL, are the ones that can rise above it better than anyone else. And so, although it is a concern, it's not a concern to where I feel like the Chiefs cannot adequately overcome it and continue to continue the running back tour. So that's where I stand. I feel like that's where I'm going to continue to stand until otherwise. Yeah, I mean, injuries early on in camp is, is, is to be expected for every team. I mean, it's it's it just is what it is. These our bodies, our guys' bodies are getting reacclimated to the full contact. And it's just, you know, sometimes your body's not ready for it yet or, your you know, your muscles aren't – the muscle memory's not there. It's lost some of its touch. It's just getting reacclimated into the physicalities of the game. It's, there's, it just comes with injuries. Can't avoid it. Um, but like I said, as long as it's nothing crazy for any of our, you know, top-name guys, I'm okay. It's just going to happen. And, I mean, nagging injuries happen and do happen and are dealt with and played through for almost every single player 
playing football throughout the season. So it's just to be expected. That is it for the money belt, I guess. Damn good job, guys. Seriously. Hats off to everybody. Brian, that's some good questions. You almost got me a couple times with LeBron and the Cardinals, and I believe the, what was he said, the, the Browns? I see, he tried yeah, to get yeah. predictions. You almost got me, man. You're Here's good. one final hot take. Dennis Here. Rodman is the greatest. He got the NBA championship, was part of the NWO, and got Evil Longoria. <laughs> All right. Damn yeah. it, Steven Electra, York. We're going to disrespect, disrespect Carmen Electra like that? That's I mean. also true. How dare you, Steven? <laughs> Good job, guys. The, the mailbag was awesome as always. We really appreciate that. Every single Monday, man. Get in there, guys. Chime in. You have all week long. Literally, Monday till Friday night, you have every opportunity to chime in and get your spot uh, in the Monday mailbag. We love this segment. We absolutely love this segment. But we got one more segment, guys. One more segment. To get through, and we love that one too. It's a, it's quite enjoyable. What is it called again, guys? Hold this L. I want you to do me a favor and hold this L. Somebody's got to hold that L. <laughs> the who, the her. I'm talking like caps lock L L L L L L L L Cool J stuff. Hold that L. <laughs> Good God, man! Hold this gigantic, <gasps> veiny, pulsating L. Man, you are one pathetic loser. You ignorant man. <laughs> oh, that was great. Oh, hold Sorry. this L. It is time to hold this L. Each and every week, we like to hand out some friendly or not-so-friendly Ls in the world of sports because, let's be honest, guys, there's a lot of low-hanging fruit out there, and a lot of them deserve an L. So, Eddie Ortiz, Mr. Yo-Yo-Yo himself, who is holding the L for you this week, my man? Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give this L to uh, FC Barcelona uh, for losing 8-2 uh, to Bayern Munich and Champions League uh, semifinal. Not just any regular uh, ordinary game, not a preseason game. Not, now we're talking a semifinal in Champions League, uh, one of the most prestigious uh, tournaments in the world. And you got trashed by uh, Bayern Munich. Uh, you just got ran through <laughs> eight times. Uh, so for that, you're going to have to hold this all holding him to L and Lance <laughs> needs to as well on the group chat. I got these stubby uh, fingers. Yeah. So it Eddie's like got these like Eddie's hands are smaller than mine, and that I have the smallest <laughs> hands like to find nine birds. Giant palms. It really does. Fingers. Do people pay you to palm basketballs, Eddie? A couple questions. <laughs> I got something you can palm. Hey, hey Eddie Palms is hey. coming up. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Trevor Twidwell. I can't. Who's holding the L? <laughs> Oh, you know, another week, another Sacramento shit show. Um, <laughs> yes! Let me just tell you guys. Um, I'm sure a lot You're of you... are not even playing. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> yeah, no, we don't even have to. How do you get an L on your off day? Only Let me Sacramento. tell you. Let me tell you. Um, so, this past week, I don't know if you guys heard our beloved um, director of our team, pre team president, Vladi Divac, uh, has decided to step down. AKA he was fired, relieved of his duties. Um, 
I said I kind of want to go down the resume of what he's done so far and the things he said as he's exited. Um, when he was hired in 2016, I was sort of intrigued and interested because I felt like he was a good mind of basketball. He was always a good IQ guy. Thought he could put together a decent roster. Um, I was I was ecstatic when he when he drafted um, De'Aaron Fox over Alonzo Ball. I thought he was the better player, and to me, he still is the better player, and it's not really much close right now. Um, and then he decided to outsmart himself the following draft in 2018 when he decided to uh, to take Marvin Bagley over Luka Doncic. Uh, reason being, he didn't like Luka Doncic's dad, and uh, that was literally a quote. Uh, he had beef with that family, so he didn't want to take Luka Doncic. The guy we're talking about who already has 70 points in his first two playoff games ever. Um, I could have I could have Luka Doncic and De'Aaron Fox in the same team right now, but we've had an injury-riddled Marvin Bagley, who I love still, but he's not Luka. Um, and then after he drafted Marvin Bagley, he said, we have a super team, just a young one. Nope. Uh, <laughs> no. That's not it. It's not true. We have good young players on this team, but it's you – know, after he traded Boogie Cousins – for Buddy Heald. I like Buddy Heald. If anybody knows me, they, Boogie's got a special place in my heart. Love that guy out there. Uh, so I was pissed as soon as he did that. He did that first thing when he got here. Um, so needless to say, I'm not upset that he's gone. Uh, I believe we are looking at hiring uh, Joe Dumars as the next uh, fill-in guy who, I mean, I don't know too much about his resume with this kind of stuff, and I'm hoping it could be much worse. Uh, first step, I beg of the to fire Luke Walton um get rid of him that would be a good step but anyways i just want to i mean it's just amazing like my team doesn't have to be playing right now right and i guess you know still give them l they're faithful they're always there for that um <laughs> so sacramento kings more vladi divok than anything um you have been relieved of your duties my sir um i'm not sad i'm actually happy about this so this is a happy l for me uh, we can move forward and get out of this relationship that's been bogging us down um so, Vlade Divac, sir, with all due respect, you probably will not get a job anywhere else. I'm sorry because you're terrible. Um, you could have had Luca right now, and I'm, as I'm going on this rant continually here. Uh, Vlade Divac, <laughs> sir. Do, yeah, I'm, I'm doing everything I can to uh, stay alive right now. <laughs> so, Vlade Divac, do me a favor, sir, and hold this as we are on delay. Right? <laughs> It's all Zoom adjustments, baby. This is new to yeah. us. This is all new. This could be a good thing for the Kings, though. This could be a good thing, man. It can only be a good Hopefully. thing because it couldn't be much yeah. worse. Um, we can have we can have Luca. We can have Luca. Yeah, there's no there's no going back on that. Yeah, yeah. All right, so I promised you guys uh, when I went on my little uh, or big tangent when it came to uh, Fernando Tatis Jr. and the unwritten rules of baseball, I promised you guys that I would revisit that one. That's because in in this. <laughs> In this segment, I, I really thought about how I was going to approach this one because I know there's a certain sensitivity level uh, when it comes to uh, the Kansas City Royals fans because there's a player on the Padres that means a lot in Kansas City uh, that helped win the Royals' first World Series championship in 30 years. And that guy goes by the name of Eric Hosmer, or some people know him as Haas. You might be wondering why in the hell I'm bringing him up in this segment. Well, I'm going to tell you right now. Uh, unwritten rules aside and everything that I already had, you know, ranted on and brought fire and brimstone down on uh, baseball in particular, all that aside, there was a whole other instance that took place in that game. 
and in that in that situation and it involved one eric hosmer or haas when fernando tatis hit his grand slam when he wasn't supposed to all of his teammates were celebrating they were jumping up and down they were body checking they were high-fiving they were feeling good it was a great moment because that's what it was a great moment it should be celebrated and guess who celebrated it along Fernando Tatis Jr.? One Eric Haas Hosmer. That's cool, right? It's fun. It's exciting. It's really cool that a veteran like Haas is celebrating next to the young superstar, right? Doesn't in there. Because as our YouTuber, I believe his name is John Boy, who likes to break down baseball situations, mostly fights or ejections and things of that nature. He verbalizes what the players or the coaches or the umps are saying so we can better understand the situation. As he depicts on his YouTube channel, which, by the way, I highly recommend you subscribe to, he shows Eric Hosmer in that same exact inning after Tatis hits the home run. And we all know that the Rangers are all in their feelings, right? Hosmer hits a grounder. He runs it out to first base, but it obviously is a force out, so the inning ends with Eric Hosmer running out to first. And the Rangers' dugout is on the first base side. You see Eric Hosmer, as he's taking off his gloves and takes his helmet off and is getting ready to play defense because he's a first baseman, he looks over to the Rangers' dugout and he says this verbatim. Hey, we'll talk to him. We'll talk to him. As in, translation, Eric Hosmer, the veteran that he is and the respected player that he is, is going to correct Fernando Tatis Jr. for disrespecting the Rangers for simply making a baseball play. And then you do see Eric Hosmer later in the game sitting there chewing out animately, I may add, Fernando Tatis Jr. pointing at the field and saying whatever. I don't know what he says. His head's turned to the camera, so you can't actually clarify what he states to Fernando Tatis. But you see Fernando Tatis literally just sitting within himself dead inside because he's supposed to feel some sort of guilt from his own teammate who just moments ago was celebrating the same action that he's coming down on him with. This is what we're dealing with in baseball. I know you all love Haas out here in Kansas City. The dude's a fucking hypocrite in this situation, and he deserves an L. So you know what I'm going to give him tonight? An L. So Mr. Eric Haas Hosmer, do me a favor and hold this, hold this L. L. And I know that was delayed as fuck, but he got three L's on that one. He delayed that one. It's all good. Justice is served. I like it. It's a fun like night, it. guys. I mean, I think we could have held the L when his girlfriend, whatever, decided to be a cat litter box influencer. But <laughs> I love Casey, but I just I, I had to unfollow her on Instagram and she's like, hey, you guys check out my new litter box this is news to me i didn't and know i'm like this. i'm like is this what happens when your boyfriend signs a massive contract and you become a fox <laughs> news correspondent you're like hey you guys this is my latest litter box cat from litter box? I'm to she's a cat up. she's a cat uh bathroom enthusiast influencer Ugh. she's a litter box influencer Ugh. so that's where that's, I stand on it. Like, you know what? I'm, I'm, this is the thing about baseball that people don't talk about, though. The unwritten rules of baseball fandom is that I only give a fuck when you're winning me championships. So, mm. like, Hosmer, I'm really happy for you. I'm really glad about your existence, and I hope it's great. But, like, outside of Kansas City, you don't exist to me. 
And that to me is sports. So outside of Kansas City, whatever you do does not exist to me. Moose, it was great seeing you. It was wonderful. You're you're you you're quit it. you just come back and like your your comeback is like overshadowed by some like really like ignorant mother trucker up in the booth. Look at me editing myself. <laughs> We're trying uh, to keep it PG thirteen. Here I am keeping it PJ thirteen and I don't have to. But it's like <laughs> those kind of things, like you just get subtle reminders how sports are literally a business and everything from that. Unwritten rules of baseball, they're fucking stupid. Like it's unwritten yeah. rules of football. Like I, I, it's unwritten rules of everything. Like, do you want to go into unwritten rules of every single facet right. of life? No, we don't want to. So you want to you want to teach your kids not to get frustrated on a field. Teach them how to get somebody out. Let me just hijack the last part of this segment too. <laughs> no, you're good, dude. Hey, I, I told you before the show. I love it when you contribute. Our fan, the fans, the viewers, the uh, the listeners love it too. So chime the hell away. We always appreciate you. Like I said on the on the DJ set back there, scratching things up, hell making yeah. things happen. Wicked, we appreciate wicked. you. It's me or is it like Americans are the only ones that complain about these unwritten rules? I can I, say that. I can only speak for us yeah. because I've only lived in America, but I, it sounds accurate. But like rugby, international sport, like guys from Wales came over to Kansas City and stayed here. And they're just like, yeah, we have a great time. We're having a whatever. But like they left a flag. They left a jersey. That was it. Like that's what they left behind. Um, Americans just feel very entitled to things. Mm. I feel like we have to have like some sort of secret whatever it's not that it's not that We're deep. Found by tradition. I, I want to start a podcast that's called it ain't that deep and that's it it's like we just talk about the unwritten rules of baseball it's not that deep it's not just shut the fuck up and play hit the wooden hit hit your little wooden stick and hit the fucking ball for our entertainment cancel the unwritten rules cancel exactly them. i'm i'm on board with that Trev. maybe we'll get tom brenneman to do that hell but yeah anyway. <laughs> Uh, guys, this is this was an absolute blast. Uh, every single segment I felt like did what it's supposed to do, which is our goal here. Hopefully, everybody that uh, watched this or is going to listen to this, either like I said on the podcast or you you visit the stream later on. Hopefully, you guys were entertained, man. Hopefully, you guys enjoy this because this is what we love to do. And if you guys want to be a part of this, obviously, we love having you here, and we genuinely, genuinely thank you guys. This is brand new for us, man. We've never done an all Zoom show practically, and I think it went pretty well. Uh, let us know what you guys think of it. Um, I, I miss I miss my Eddie across the room, but you know we'll put up with that if we have to. Yeah. For the meantime, uh, Trevor obviously is uh, doing Trevor things even on Zoom. I'm sure that he's gonna <laughs> get some DMs later on. But hey, guys, that's what we're here to do. You got Gat- some nipples. <laughs> All right, all right. There we go. Let's get there it. There we go. Let's take it he's off, Trev. Come on. He's fed up. He's going to take off his shirt to show us how mad he is. Scarlet! All of, our, all of our podcasters are missing out on the visual side of things. But definitely, guys, again, uh, subscribe to KCPN on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter. Hit us up on there, guys. Let us know what you think of the shows and participate with us in the Monday Mailbag. We genuinely appreciate it. So, and that's for Eddie Ortiz, for Trevor Twidwell, for Gats. For my niece Scarlett in the backdrop of Trevor Zoom call. <laughs> I'm Lance Twidwell here inside the KCP and Studios telling you guys that episode 78 of the Spoken Podcast is done. Cannot wait to see you guys for episode 79. We out of this bitch. See y'all.